You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for our review of Star Wars Visions. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Avery, and I'm joined by one of our other regular uh, Rebel Cells hosts, Joe Hogan. How's it going, Joe? Kyle, I missed you, bud. I'm glad. uh, I missed you too. I'm glad we got back together for this. I miss our Bad Batch talks. I miss Bad Batch. And I miss Mike. I miss miss everything. So... Yeah, definitely. And uh, Mike isn't able to be on here uh, with us for this episode. So in his place, we brought in a good friend of ours and fellow Star Wars podcaster, Jason Hunt. How's it going, Jason? What? Who? I was (laughs) just resting my eyes. Uh, Hi, it's me, Jason. How is everybody doing? (laughs) Uh, Better now that you're here. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I can't... uh, for whatever reason, that was the first thing that popped into my head. So I was like, yes, we're just going to go with Terra Sanube today, apparently. You know what? There's never a bad time to go with Terra Sanube. That's he doesn't fair. get enough love. No, he doesn't. Uh, he needs to have more scenes in the High Republic stuff. Oh, that would be awesome. Wait, is he, is he's he in, the, in any yeah. of the High Republic stuff? He's oh, young. He, I... He's young. Yeah. He's a knight. But yes. Ah, uh, that's cute. Yeah, yeah, I need to I need to get caught up on that stuff. <laughs> He's been mentioned um, like maybe twice. So, oh okay. Well, I'm trying to remember even in the stuff I have read, like just you saying that kind of jogs my memory. I'm like, oh, maybe I remember them mentioning him, but I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, I'm glad to be back with you guys, uh, and definitely excited to jump in and talk about Star Wars Visions. This is going to be a little bit less kind of formally structured than our episodes usually are, because we're just going to kind of give an overview of all of the nine shorts of Star Wars Visions. So they do have episode guides with like plot summaries on StarWars.com for each episode, but we're not going to go super in-depth on those like we usually do for episodes of The Bad Batch and stuff. Um but we are going to go through each episode in order and uh, and just kind of give like a brief summary and review of each one and just kind of give our thoughts on it. And then at the end, maybe do kind of a ranking and talk about which ones were our favorites. Um, but before we jump into Visions, let's recap some news. Um, obviously, it's been a while since we uh, last recorded for the finale of Bad Batch. So there's been quite a few things since then. We're not going to talk about everything because there's been a lot of little news regarding um, like comics and books and games and stuff like that. Um, but wanted to touch on some of the big stuff. Um, and actually, uh, we'll start off with just yesterday. They announced, uh, the premiere date for the book of Boba Fett that's premiering December 29th on Disney plus. Um, and they released a really cool looking poster for that too. So, um, that's the next big star Wars thing that we've coming up, got coming up after visions. So mark your calendars, December 29th. Uh, we're, we're going to go bounty hunt. Woo. Yeah, between uh, Christmas and New Year's, it's uh, like it wasn't hectic enough at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm sure like we knew that this was going to be coming in December of this year. And right. I'm sure all of us kind of had our fingers crossed, hoping it was going to be earlier December rather mm-hmm. than, you know, the the last possible. I think this is moved to Wednesdays now because that's what they're doing for all their, their Disney Plus stuff now. Right. right? Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, the, the last possible Wednesday of December. Um, but it'll be, you know, a nice belated Christmas present, um, <laughs> and something to enjoy around the holidays. So, um, and then that's just going to propel us into a 2022. That's going to be chock full of star Wars stuff. We're going to be getting so many series on Disney plus it's ridiculous, but, yeah. um, yeah, definitely looking forward to this one. I- I am weirdly looking forward to it, too. I remember when Mandalorian came out, I was like, good, it's not a Boba Fett show Um, because I didn't want it. I didn't think we needed a Boba Fett show. And then the way they brought Boba Fett back in Mandalorian season two, I was like, "Okay, this is more interesting. I Mm -hmm. I I'm okay with this. So (laughs) it was. Yeah, I think I think they repositioned Boba Fett to be a more interesting character now than what he was. So yeah. I, I agree with you that it was I like I always thought Boba Fett was so overrated mm-hmm. and, you know, I still to a degree think he is. But, yes, you know, the the way they had him in Mandalorian was like, I I would watch a show about this character. This is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I kind of feel the same way. Like I was back when there were rumors about a Boba Fett movie or a Boba Fett show, like I would have been OK with that. And I I mean, I agree with you guys. I always felt like he was a little bit overrated i still thought he was cool and i just liked the armor and the design of the character and stuff but it certainly wasn't my top choice for a standalone star wars story um although i knew that like if they did a standalone story they would flesh out the character more and probably make him more interesting than just the few minutes of screen time that he has in the movies um but yeah when when they got tamora morrison back to play him in mandalorian season two and just the the way he portrayed the character and the way that Robert Rodriguez directed the action scenes and everything. Like, I think that was the perfect jumping on point um, to like introduce him in Mandalorian first and then spin him off into his own thing because now you've got like everybody on board. Like I, I still know there are a few people that aren't as excited for this, but I know a lot of people like us that weren't that excited about Boba Fett coming back, saw him in Mandalorian season two and were like, okay, I get it now. Now I get why everybody mm-hmm. loves Boba Fett. And now I'm on board for them doing more stuff with him in the if, future. So. If you started with Book of Boba Fett and then introduced the Mandalorian through that show, that wouldn't have worked, I don't think. So um, so I'm very, I'm actually very intrigued by the fact that Boba Fett has decided to go back and take over Jabba's palace. Like, is he planning to just start a new criminal syndicate? Is he just- I don't know. Like, last we saw, he's there lounging on Bib Fortuna's Jabba's throne, you know, Mm -hmm. there, um, with Fennec Shand, you know, lounging uh, on the dais, like, all right, come at me, bro. And I'm like, okay, now what? Yeah. (laughs) Well, here's the the official little synopsis that they put out on StarWars.com along with this poster. It says, The Book of Boba Fett, a thrilling Star Wars adventure, finds legendary bounty hunter Boba Fett and mercenary Fennec Shand investigating the galaxy's underworld when they return to the sands of Tatooine to stake their claim on the territory once ruled by Jabba the Hutt and his crime syndicate. Um, So yeah, it definitely does sound like at least part of this adventure is going to involve, yeah, Boba coming back saying, hey, you know, I'm familiar with this territory. I used to work for Jabba. He's gone now. Like, there's a power vacuum and I'm going to fill it. So, um, although I guess it wasn't necessarily a vacuum that needed to be filled. He kind of, he killed Bib Fortuna and opened the vacuum back up and then sat down and filled it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this this kind of stuff is um, 
I don't know. Not my favorite stuff in Star Wars, just because like I'm someone that really gets into like the Jedi lore and mythology and all that kind of stuff. But uh-huh. like scoundrels, scoundrels, bounty hunters, all that kind of stuff is like is fun to dive into when it does come up. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I love the Mandalorian. I love Boba Fett and Cad Bane, who I'm really hoping to see in live action in this series. So um, and just knowing that this is also like I've I've heard this also kind of described in some rumors and things as kind of like Mandalorian season 2.5 um, and that we might possibly see Din Djarin pop up in this show again. And especially because we're not getting Mandalorian season three till probably around this time next year. So um yeah, it's, this is just going to have a lot of fun stuff going for it, and uh, I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Kick off to Star Wars in 2022 is what this is. Yeah. Uh, which we're going to get a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of The Mandalorian, though, uh, that show also just recently won seven Emmy Awards. Um, for season two, including uh, special visual effects, sound mixing, cinematography, music composition, prosthetic makeup, stunt coordination, and stunt performance. Um, so definitely well-deserved by everybody involved in the making of that show. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that any of us you know, absolutely love that show. And uh, I think especially all those categories that they won for, the music, the visuals, the the fight choreography and everything is all top notch. So I am, glad to see them. I am disappointed. We did not get uh best actor for a puppet. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's a category, but it, it needs were, to be one. <laughs> yeah. They just, what, you know, that maybe one doing? of those, one of those special honorary awards would be, uh, you know, how, like sometimes after the fact, I think even the original Star Wars won like an honorary Oscar for special effects because there was no like visual effects category yet or something like that. Um, yeah, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. So, they, yeah, they should give Grogu some kind of honorary Emmy like that. Cutest um, good boy award. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> special outstanding achievement in Chicky Nuggies. <laughs> I love it. Um, his, his Emmy will be in the shape of a frog. Yeah. Or one of those Uh-oh. little, uh, Won't last those little cookies. Whatever shape it's in, he'll try to eat it. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, congrats again to the, you know, the crew and everybody involved on The Mandalorian. Can't wait to see more of that show as well. Of course, it's, you know, pretty much the same crew and team and, and everybody behind the scenes working on Book of Boba Fett. So um, looking forward to seeing what they come up with next. Um, now this next piece of news is something that I've been looking forward to for Mm -hmm. a long, long time, Mm -hmm. switching over into the realm of video games, um, at long, what on long last, what on earth, what what on earth Kyle would ever make you this excited? I have no, (laughs) no idea. So, well, well, of course it's the upcoming mobile game, star Wars hunters. Yes. Uh, no, no, it's <laughs> um that's coming as well. There's also like a new Lego Star Wars mobile game that's out. But no, we're talking about the Knights of the Old Republic remake. Um and finally, I mean this is something that's been on my wish list of Star Wars things for years now. Ever since they first started doing HD remakes with like the Halo Master Chief collection and stuff like that. I was like Man, we need an HD remaster of Knights of the Old Republic. I want to play that game in 
you know, glorious updated modern visuals with uh, fully voice acted lines for the main character and all the, the new modern bells and whistles, updated combat system, all that stuff. And we're finally getting it. The downside for me as an Xbox guy is that it's going to be exclusive mm. to PS5 and PC when it launches. But uh, I tell you what, I think, first of all, I think it's going to be a while b- uh, before this comes out because they didn't announce yeah, um, they didn't time. announce a release date or even a year for it um, when they announced this teaser trailer um, at this like PlayStation event. And they even they they showed off some other games that aren't coming to later down the line that they did announce were coming in like 2023 um, and they didn't even give a year for KOTOR. Um, but I'm I'm still expecting slash hoping that this is going to be a 2023 release. I don't think it's coming any sooner than that. Uh, but that gives me a year and a half to kind of chew on things, you know, see how this goes. First of all, obviously, I'm going to follow all the updates and interviews and, and trailers and everything that they release for this and just hope that it lives up to the hype. And I can't wait to see what this game is actually going to look like in action. And then... Um, I mean, gosh, like I've I've always been on Xbox. I've never owned a PlayStation. There's a lot of PlayStation exclusive games that I'd like to play, like uh, the Spider-Man games and Uncharted and God of War and all that kind of stuff. Um, games that I certainly would play if I had a PlayStation. But the only thing that would actually probably get me to pull the trigger and make the jump would be an exclusive Star Wars game. And especially one that I'm so hyped about, like Knights of the Old Republic. So I've <laughs> one got that time you've to played th- already I've, many times. I've got, I've, well, you know what? You know, this is going to be a completely new experience. At least it better be. Um, yeah, I'm with you, man. But, I think it uh, will. Be. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I've, I've got some time to wait and, and think about it and chew on it. But this might just get me to switch teams over to PS5. So um, Kyle, just start saving your pennies now. You know you're going to do it you know yeah pro- again I, it's it's a high probability you gotta it's, find it's one either, first it's it's either you well yeah that's the other <laughs> thing too is you know, hopefully they'll be more readily available by that point um because yeah. yeah i mean yeah yeah no you're you're right jason like if if this game actually comes out and i don't have a ps5 yet i'll go fight somebody for one um yeah You'll, you'll put on your kylo ren helmet um grab the nearest you know heavy object and just beat somebody until they give it to you so am i wrong i i i will not confirm or deny yeah i'm just i'm just playing kotor that's all i know i think (laughs) i i think it would be a darth revan mask i don't think it would be a kylo ren i have one of those too i didn't realize that okay (laughs) it's actually it's not completely finished because I bought it from a guy at a Comic-Con one time. Um, mm. it, it was at Phoenix Comic-Con that Jason and I go to every year. Um, back and, when cons uh, existed. Yeah, back back when they oh. had them. Of course, like cons are starting to come back up now. And they were supposed to have, like Phoenix Comic-Con was supposed to be in May and they pushed it to uh, January. And there's other cons that are going on right now. But they, they pushed this one back from January to like May of next year. So hopefully it finally happens at that point. But um yeah, I bought a Revan mask for my guy when you're because I was wearing a Darth Revan T-shirt and he was like, hey, man, I like your shirt. And, you know, we started chatting and he was like, hey, you know, I'll oh, and, you know, I, I saw the Revan masks that he was making. And I said, man, these are really cool. And he's like, hey, I'll give you this one for a discount. And it was like an unfinished one. But it was, you know, obviously it was it was crafted. It was painted. It just doesn't have it doesn't have any kind of covering over the eye hole. And so he told me, like, you know, just get like some mesh covering or whatever and, and you know 
glue it inside the mask. And then also he used some like foam padding to like, you know, keep it up against your face. And it didn't have that in there. But other than, other than that, like it looks good as just a, you know, sculpted and, and hand painted mask. So I got that at a discount and uh, bought it with the intention of eventually making a full Revan cosplay. And I think that was maybe the year that might've been the same year that force awakens came out or like shortly before then, because okay. then I ended up getting the whole Kylo Ren costume and just going with that instead. So mm. um, yeah, maybe with the, the resurgence of uh, excitement in KOTOR, I might finally do that Revan costume. There you go, man. Now's the time. Well, Again, you have several years probably to do this. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now's the perfect opportunity to go pick up your copy in full gear. Yeah. For, oh, man, that would be awesome. Of course, I buy all my games digitally nowadays. I don't get that mm. excitement. Of, no, you got to you know. get this one physical, though. Like, Yeah. Uh, there, there are some games that are special enough that you have to physically it, buy. At least honestly, that's how I feel about it. Honestly, it depends on the, the release time because... Um, you know, if it's like if I've got to work the next day and it's, mm. you know, I got to go pick it up from GameStop at midnight or go or go get it the next day or wait for it to come from Amazon. I'd rather just like pre-order it digitally and even yeah. download it at 9 p.m. the day yeah. before. Kyle, Kyle, if you have to go pick it up at, you know, 9, no, 10 p.m. or midnight or whatever it is at a GameStop, just take the next day off. You know, you're not going to, yeah. go to sleep. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, well, but again, that's the, that's the beauty of, you know, the 9 PM, uh, release. And plus nowadays you can normally like down, they'll usually let you preload the game ahead of yeah. time so that like when it officially drops, you can just start playing and you don't have to wait for the, the massive download. So, um, and then you're not, yeah, downloading it this is all getting way ahead download. of ourselves. This yeah. could be two years <laughs> you, from now you got that, time. that I have got to time. worry about all this, but, um, yeah, I'm just excited to have it finally announced to get the little teaser trailer that we got with, uh, you know, just the reveal of Revan um, with that glorious high res character model is just it's awesome. So I can't wait to play this when it finally comes out. And it's actually uh, it's not being done by EA or Bioware, um, but it's actually being developed by Aspire, who um, for years have just been the company that does a lot of like they do a lot of ports of older games onto like the newer consoles and they do all the like those star wars games like republic commando and episode one racer and like the jedi knight games they're the company that takes all those games and and ports them um to the modern consoles um they also did you know like you can play kotor on your phone and like they did that port um for like iphone and mac and all that stuff um so obviously they have a good working relationship with Lucasfilm and they're very familiar with Star Wars games and with kind of bringing them up to modern standards and, and making sure the controls all work and, and that the visuals look good and everything. But they've never done any actual like remasters or, or anything where they're kind of and this is like a straight remake where they're kind of rebuilding it from the ground up. Um, and I assume it's going to have, you know, a whole new combat system, obviously all new visuals and probably some new story content as well. Maybe some new missions or even some new characters, um, because I know they have some writers and stuff working on this. So it's not just going to be, um, kind of taking the original game and, and slapping a fresh coat of paint on it. Um, and I know they've talked about, you know, making sure that they're really, you know, staying true and faithful to the original. I think that's the most important thing. Like as long as all the core storylines and characters from the original are in there that people love, I don't have any problem with them, um, kind of adding some new stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm super excited for it. Um, and yeah, whenever it comes out, whatever my console situation ends up being, I'm just going to be super excited to play KOTOR again. 
my uh my one hope for it uh and this is kind of like a weird arbitrary thing like it's not like it's gonna make or break my opinion on it because i'm excited to play no matter what i was screaming when they announced it during that playstation stream um i really hope because i know they're getting jennifer hale back to do bastila again Mm -hmm. i really hope they keep tom kane's dialogue in this game oh yeah um because he played like the yoda like jedi council i forget what what his name was but like uh, master vandar sure (laughs) (laughs) clearly you have played this game once or twice more than i have i i haven't played kotor in years but back in the day because it came out in 2003 i don't think i actually played it until maybe 2005 or 2006 Okay. And between then and when I was in college, and I, don't, I probably haven't played it all the way through since I was in college, um, but in those few years, I think I played it, I think I lost count at like 10 playthroughs, <laughs> oh but God. I know I played it more than that. But also like I played it on the Xbox first, but then I got it on the PC where you could like install mods. And so there were sometimes when like I would play just to play with a certain mod where you could like turn all the Sith troopers into clone troopers or you know mm-hmm. something like that. I would play around with those just for fun. So I, I did several other, I had playthroughs that I didn't get all the way through that I would maybe just play a little bit of the game just to play around with a fun mod. Um, but yeah, regardless, I, oh gosh, I sunk hours into that game there are <laughs> obscure little minutia side quest things that i probably still remember that are just burned into the back of my memory um so yeah you know i'll probably be able to spot the difference pretty easy when there's you know changes or new stuff from like that definitely wasn't in there before um yeah, but, I don't know. know. I don't know if they're just re-recording everything, or I mean, since there's new writing, I feel like they have to be re-recording a lot, right? Yeah, I think so, especially because, um, like the one of the producers of the game did an interview with uh, with StarWars.com about this when the interview or when the announcement first came out, and they did, you know, obviously they acknowledged that that was it's Jennifer Hale who's doing the voice in the teaser, but they kind of alluded to the fact that like yes, she came back to do Bastila, mm. and they mentioned like and you might hear some other familiar voices as well. Okay, um, so they haven't confirmed any other. Uh, you know, voice actors, but obviously a lot of the people in there, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like, uh, Kevin, Michael Richardson and, uh, Courtney Taylor. And, you know, some of these people are obviously still very active in, in the industry. So I don't see why they couldn't get a lot of them to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, yeah, I hope, I hope Tom Kane is, is still included cause he's a, he's a legend as we know. Yeah, yeah. Um and I I'm I'm sure you guys heard. I mean, we could mention this as well. Um you know, Tom Kane uh suffered a stroke recently and mm-hmm. is on the mend and in, you know, doing well and he's not in, you know, critical condition or anything, but unfortunately just it messed with his um his speech abilities and things and so he's had to retire from voice acting. So um that's obviously sad to hear um and yeah we're all huge fans of tom and his work on star wars as yoda and admiral ularan and all the other stuff that he's done so yeah i agree if there is a way that they could just kind of preserve those files or maybe if they don't need to um you know if they don't need to uh do too much new stuff with with that particular character maybe they could still keep him in there but i don't know we'll see it it does beg the question who is going to be the next like Yoda voice actor for everything because Tom was always Yoda when Frank Oz yeah. wasn't around. It was Tom yeah. Kane was the guy for 
you know, whether it was the Disney parks or, or, you know, Lego star Wars or clone wars, obviously, uh, did Frank Oz do Yoda in rebels? He did, yeah. which I was going to mention. Yeah. I'm like, maybe they'll just go back to Frank Oz. Like, I mean, that would also be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've been thinking about this a while. Like, man, with Tom Kane retiring, like, who's going to be the go-to Yoda now? Yeah, I don't know. Um, really? It depends. I mean, I doubt we're going to get anything like Clone Wars anytime soon that's going to, like, heavily feature Yoda a lot. Right. right. Um, and I think if he did show up in any other, like, one-off kind of things, um, you know, they probably could just get Frank Oz to come back and do it. But um, I'm sure they'll get somebody else eventually, and hopefully it's... Mm you know, somebody that can step up and uh, do just as good as a, a job as Tom did. But also, obviously, he did, you know, just a fantastic job with that character for so many years. So we wish him the best. Yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, wish the best to Aspire and everybody involved in remaking Knights of the Old Republic. Don't let us down. We're counting on you guys. Man, that's a um, lot of pressure on them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't envy yeah. anyone in that studio. I mean, I do envy plenty of people in that studio, but at the same time, like those are those are big shoes to fill. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be waiting for an excuse to rip it apart. But you know what? Oh, I mean, what, people already what doesn't are, have like, that they, on the internet. Yeah, these people, days, right? you know, people looking into <laughs> tweets from people that have been hired on the writing staff and yeah. going, "Oh, this person made a joke about this or whatever." I'm like, you know, just just wait till the game comes out and let the work shut up. <laughs> just shut up. Let people enjoy things. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is now easily one of my most anticipated Star Wars projects. Um, it's it's weird because like on the one hand, it kind of sucks that it's not coming out for so long because I immediately want like trailers and interviews and I want to dive mm. into this and, and see what it's going to be. But at the same time, like I know it's a ways off. I'm not worried about it for right now. I'm just at peace and and happy and grateful knowing that it exists and knowing that it's finally coming after years of wanting it and years of hearing rumors. I mean, you know, I follow people on Twitter that have got their scoops and stuff and have talked about something like this coming for a while. Um, and it was like, okay, well, that, that sounds good. I want to believe you, but are we ever going to get this confirmed? And we finally did. So um, super excited to get that. I, I know we've already spent a long time on this uh, and I and I feel bad kind of doing the tangent train here, but I actually have a question, a separate question for each of you. Uh, Jason, have you ever played Knights of the Little Republic or any of those games in that series? Uh, yes, but it has been a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And it, ah, okay. uh, uh, and it was not recently. So, okay. okay. So it was it was back in the day then. Yes. Closer to the point that it came out. Okay. Right, cool. uh, yeah, probably like, I don't know, 2010. Okay, so still a little ways after it came out, but still a while back. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty neat. Um, and the other question is for Kyle. Kyle, are you hoping that Knights of the Old Republic is... The, the comparison that's coming to my mind right now, do you want like a direct... No story beats changed remake, or do you want something more along the lines of the more recent Final Fantasy VII remake, where they take all that, um, you know, the original story, use it as like kind of like a, a, a loose skeleton, and then do their own thing with it and kind of, you know, do something new with it? 
Um, honestly, it's hard for me to say, especially with that comparison, because again, I've I've never had a PlayStation, so I've never played any okay. of the Final Fantasy. Oh games. yeah, right, of course. Um, okay. So I I I mean, obviously, I know they did a Final Fantasy VII remake, but I don't know sort of the extent of like the differences with that versus the original. Okay. Um, I like I said, I'm okay with them making some changes to it. I think one because as much as I love the original game. Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe them expanding on some things or having a new planet to visit or some new characters or something like that. Um, I think as long as it fits with the story and it doesn't take away anything that we loved about the original, um, you know, I I don't think there's anything wrong with just adding more good stuff to it. But also I want to kind of keep my expectations in check. Again, the fact that they're doing so much work on this um and the fact that you know they're hiring new writers and stuff like that makes me think that they're probably going to change some things or add some things and so mm-hmm. to say like no the original is the greatest star wars game of all time and it's sacred and you must make it exactly the same and you know just with the you know with better combat and better visuals but, but you said you were going to keep the integrity and so the story has to be 100% the same i don't think they're going to do that so i'm just not going to set myself up for disappointment mm-hmm. um by by expecting that but again i i trust them to um i don't know use their judgment keep the stuff that's important keep the stuff that they know that fans love and because even i had heard you know some of the rumors i had heard regarding this game was that it was gonna possibly be kind of a big reinvention of kotor to fit within the current canon like and that they maybe even were gonna like combine sort of elements from kotor one and kotor two with some new things and kind of come up with this new story that um, sort of like, you know, paid homage to the original, but kind of was its, was its own new thing within the new Canon. Um, And I don't think that's going to be the case because I, like I even saw some tweets from like one of the producers on the game at Lucasfilm uh, after this announcement came out and he was like, Hey guys, like, you know, glad to hear that you're all, uh, you know, so excited about this and, and glad to hear everybody talking about it. But please remember, like some people haven't played this game yet because um, this was, you know, a whole generation ago. And so please be mindful, like don't talk about spoilers because you don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it for somebody who hasn't yeah. played this before. And so just that, you know, a- along with some of the quotes from people who've said that, you know, they really are making sure that they want to keep the integrity of the original and, and you know, what people loved about it and everything. Um makes me hopeful that like all the major story beats will be there all the major reveals and plot twists and again everything that sort of makes kotor kotor um and and makes it the beloved classic that it is will be there um you know all the all the character moments the you know some i'm sure there'll probably be a lot of new dialogue but hopefully some of the same you know lines and stuff that we remember um and again, just, you know, some of the, the epic showdowns and the, the big twists and, and all that kind of stuff. I think they're going to keep the core of it, um, you know, the keep all the important stuff um, mm. that, that people are going to want to see. And maybe take some liberties with some stuff around the edges. Or like I said, especially if they add new stuff to it that doesn't take anything away from it, that's totally fine with me. Um, but if they do maybe... I don't know, change some things or reinterpret some things. I'm trying to think back. I'm like, I don't think there's anything in there that's like, hasn't aged well or would be seen as problematic nowadays or something like that. But, um, I mean, you never know. And, and again, you know, if they, any changes that they make, somebody's going to be unhappy about it. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm kind of going into it more open-minded again, the, I think the, you know, just the core 
sort of bones of the experience is more what I'm looking for. Um, rather than getting nitpicky about like, oh, don't change this, don't change this, don't change, you know, having a laundry list of like, oh, these things all have to be exactly the same. Hmm. Well, I mean, based off of that stuff that you were saying, uh, I almost wonder if they're going to turn KOTOR into, you know, it's funny because KOTOR was kind of the precursor to Mass Effect. And mm-hmm. then that series involved choices even more than KOTOR did. And like entire crazy scenarios came out of choices that you made and had like a, like really big consequences where KOTOR was really just like, well, your light side or your dark side for the most part. And eh, there's some gray in between and especially in the second one. Um, but I wonder if they're just going to give us more choices and more consequences to things and like things that you it's... do might branch out bigger than they used to, or like maybe there it'll open up new story possibilities to include or, or whatever based off of, you know, the way it was versus what they learned doing mass effect. And then now, you know, I mean, I know it's not Bioware doing it, but Bioware yeah. kind of did like pave that way and give them that blueprint almost to do it that way. Yeah. And even, I think they said that, uh, this, you know, new team at Aspire, they're putting together, they've got a lot of industry veterans on the team, including some people that have worked at Bioware and worked on oh, Mass cool. Effect and worked on KOTOR. So, um, you know, that makes me think that they're, they're in good hands because on the one hand, like you said, this has got to be a daunting task for them. And as much as I know, like I'm familiar with Aspire and with their their work with Star Wars games in the past, it is, uh, you know, on the one hand, could be a little bit of a cause for concern that they're giving this big of a project to a studio that has never really done their own big, like, AAA game development before. Um, but at the same time, just the, it sounds like, you know, their partnership with the, the team at Lucasfilm games that they're partnering with and, um, even having support from Sony. Um, and that's part of the reason this is a a PlayStation exclusive is it sounds like uh, Sony interactive entertainment is helping develop this as well. And then just all the talent that they're gathering from all over the industry. It sounds like they've got a good team. So hopefully this will be a, um, you know, kind of a good, I don't know if you call it an underdog story or whatever, but, um, you know, just a, a good success for them, um, even though it's kind of their their first attempt at something like this. Um, I want to be optimistic and think that they're going to do a, a great job with it. We'll have to just wait and see how it turns out. But um, I mean, I, I think one of the most important things is just that everybody involved loves the game themselves and realizes, you know, just how how special it is to the fans and not to put pressure and be like, oh, you dare not screw this up. But just, you know, when when you love something and when you're making it for a bunch of other people that also love it, I think that um, usually lends itself to people making good choices in in the direction they're taking things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, that about wraps it up for the Knights of the Old Republic remake podcast. I want to thank both of you for joining <laughs> us tonight. And uh, we had nothing yeah, else you, to talk about you, tonight, right? You you thought this was going to be about visions. <laughs> There's more news. We should probably skip to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, then the <laughs> next couple pieces of news will not take us nearly as long to talk about as I Knights of the Old not. Republic. Unless anybody is really stoked for the uh, Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales special that's coming to Disney Plus, uh, I think just tomorrow, actually, as we're recording this. Oh, really? Um, that's yeah. Soon? Yeah. Um, which I'm and uh, I'm not trying to dog on this at all. Like, I'm actually kind of looking forward to watching this. It looks, you know, all these Lego specials are fun and cute. Um 
but just, you know, it's, it's not KOTOR. So I'm not going to take another 20 <laughs> minutes going on about how excited I am for this, but I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, it was just something I didn't know was coming. And then all of a sudden it was coming. So I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I guess. So yeah, I don't have, yeah, I don't I have like any it. thoughts on that one. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like Lego. I like Star Wars. I like Halloween. I'm excited. There we go. Oh, the there end. you go. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Short and simple. Yep. Um, and then the last piece of news, and this will tie into uh, what we're about to talk about with Visions, um, and especially the first uh, the first short called The Duel, um, also has a tie-in novel called uh, Star Wars Ronin, um, and that is coming out October 12th, uh, written by, gosh, where'd the author's name just go? Um, it's Emma something, Emma Miko Kandon, um, is, you know, writing this novel that I think basically just kind of retells the story of the duel, um, from the short, but kind of fleshes it out a lot more and gives more context to kind of the story and the world and the characters and stuff. I've heard good things about it from, um, just some journalists and people that I follow on Twitter that have already gotten to read it. And I think there's even an excerpt available on starwars.com where you can read like the first five chapters, um, either on star Wars or maybe on the Delray book site or something like that. I saw a link to it on Twitter the other day. Um, and I haven't gotten around to reading it yet, but I want to check it out. I've heard people say, um, that it's one of the most unique star Wars books they've ever read. And so I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, or, you know, maybe some people love it, but it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but, um, We'll that see, will, but I'm that will probably I'm, depend on your opinion of Star Wars Visions, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Because yeah. it's from what I understand in the, the brief thing I was looking at uh earlier today about it, is that you know it's it's directly in you know based off of the world created from the dual short and is still very much in the that kind of style and the way things are going. So um, it's trying to emulate that in in uh, prose form rather than visual form. So yeah, yeah. Well, I will say just from some of the initial reactions I've seen, I mean the you know the duel seems to be one that a lot of people really like um, when it comes to all these vision shorts. So um, yeah, if if you're really into visions and want more of that world explored and you want to check out this book, that'll be available October twelfth. But uh, yeah, I think without further ado, let's get into talking about some visions ourselves, shall we? Yeah. Yay! Um, All right. So like I said, we're not really going to do sort of like our formal um, episode recap for each one of these, uh, each one of these shorts, but we'll kind of just go through and talk about all of them in order. But before we do that, let me ask each of you guys, um, and Jason, I'll start with you, kind of what were your expectations going into visions and then what were just kind of your thoughts on the series overall um expectations i didn't have many because i'm not overly familiar with a lot of anime i'm i'm peripherally uh you know you know familiar with 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 things but it's not something i've ever like dived into in any significant way um but I'm around people who enjoy it enough that I pick stuff up. Uh, so I was just kind of like interested to see like how things uh, were going to play out, what kind of stories they were going to tell. Uh, I didn't really have any expectations because it was just something I'm not, you know, familiar with. 
um, in many regards. Uh, but overall, afterwards, I walked away quite enjoying the series. Um, definitely enjoying some of the shorts more than others. But uh, overall, I'd say it was a success. And I kind of want to see some of the stories that we saw here developed and expanded on um more so i'd like to see continuations of some of these stories cool uh joe what about you uh so kyle it was either you and i are or it was with mike uh when we were doing bad batch rebel cells um i had said that i when i saw the most recent trailer for this that this was getting me as excited as I was when I was a kid picking up a new issue of Star Wars Tales from Dark Horse, where it's just, you don't know what you're going to get. It's a bunch of different artists doing a bunch of different crazy tales. Some are going to be cute. Some are going to be action packed. Some are going to be scary. Some are going to be funny. And it's just like, it's just a grab bag anthology of Star Wars. That's going to be all over the canon you know, maybe some things might fit, some things might not fit. I don't know, but whatever it is, you're going to enjoy yourself. Of course, there's going to be ones you love, there's going to be ones you hate, and, uh, you know, everything in between. And it was exactly what I was expecting in that regard, where it was just so much fun to see each studio's take and just what direction they wanted to go in, because it really, I mean, I don't know how much Lucasfilm involvement there was in this, but it really, to me, felt like, they were just like, yeah, go nuts, have fun, make some Star Wars mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, we're going to try to keep out of your way as best as possible. Um, yeah. I mean, anime it, it can also have like a lot of extreme visuals. So I imagine they were like, oh, you know, no nudity, no, no graphic content for the most part. But, uh, you know, other than that, you know, go wild. And uh, yeah, that was I got pretty much exactly what I was hoping for. Um and I'm with Jason. I would watch continuations of even the ones that I am lukewarm about. I'm not I don't actively dislike any of them, but there's a few that I was kind of un unenthusiastic about afterwards. Mm -hmm. um, I would watch continuations even of those. Uh, I think each one of these was a lot of fun and uh, I'm excited to talk about them today because they were all really, really neat. Yeah, nice. And I mean, I echo a lot of those same sentiments too. Um, I mean, like you, Jason, I'm not super familiar with a lot of anime, um, except from people around me. Like I've got friends that are into it. My sister's a huge anime fan. And so I've got people that, you know, I hear talk about some things or I'll see stuff on the internet, but like, I don't watch a lot of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I was going into it kind of just trying to go in open-minded. I didn't have huge expectations for it, which is always kind of nice with, um, you know, with something Star Wars related, because as much as I love the hype and excitement of the movies or a new season of the Mandalorian or the book of Boba Fett or whatever, it's, it's nice to kind of take that pressure off and go, okay, like, I, I hope this is good, but if it's not, if it's not my cup of tea, like that's fine. I'll just move on to the next thing. I'm not going to be disappointed about it. Um, and, you know, it's just I'm, I'm not putting in a lot of thought and effort into, you know, fan theories and what I'm hoping it's going to be and then watching it and sort of weighing what I thought it was going to be or what I hoped it was going to be versus what it actually is. It's just kind of nice to um, just, you know, open my mind to to a new 
interpretation of Star Wars and see someone's artistic vision and and see these unique takes on it um, and just kind of enjoy it for what it is. And I, you know, just like you guys, I came away overall really impressed. Um, You know, there's a couple of them that weren't my favorite. There's a few that were just pretty good that, you know, I'm not necessarily super hyped about or anything, but that I enjoyed and thought were overall good. And then there's a couple of them that I absolutely loved and can't wait to talk about and definitely want to see more of. Um, but yeah, overall on the whole, I think, uh, you know, I I thought the whole thing was a a success. Um, and I'd love to see more of it as well. Like even if, if they did a season two of visions where they had all these same studios just do like one follow up, you know, short, um, to the ones that they did here, I'd watch all of them. So, um, yeah, sounds like we're all on the same page, at least as far as, you know, having having positive overall impressions. But I'm interested to dive in and see which ones were all of our favorites and stuff, because just from like I've been reading a lot of reactions and looking at a lot of people's lists online and stuff. And I feel like there's a couple that are universally like pretty well loved and like at, near the top of everybody's lists. Um, but I've seen people have some, you know, wildly different rankings and there's some people that will love one short and hate another one. And then there's other people that love that one that somebody else hated and, you know, don't like one that seems to be more popular. And so, um, it's, you know, that's kind of cool too, to just see something like this, where there's something in here for everybody. And some people love all of them. Some people only love a couple of them. Um, and not everybody loves the same ones, but, um, you know, it's just, it's again, cool to see all these different unique takes on star Wars and see what resonates with different people. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. Um, and, you know, I'll just read like the, the episode titles and kind of a brief um, plot synopsis for each one of these. Um, and we always like to give credit to the, the episode directors. So I'll mention the directors and the studios and apologize in advance if I mess up any of those names, but I'll give it my best. Um, so the first episode was called The Duel, uh, directed by Takanobu Mizuno. Uh, from the studio Kamikaze Duga, and uh, this one was a wandering stranger with a mysterious past defends a village from powerful bandits. Um, and of course, this is the one that's all black and white with uh, the Ronin, you know, the the samurai type character um, who comes to defend, uh, you know, the people of this village against these, um, you know, these invaders and the Sith bandit who's their leader. Um, and man, this one, I think this was the one that going into it, I was probably the most excited for, like watching the trailer. I was like, you know, it's all these different styles, all these different tones, you know, you didn't really get a sense of where any of the stories were going. Um, it was just a lot of action, a lot of visuals, a lot of lightsaber fights and stuff in just the trailers that they put out for this. But this one with the black and white, you know, art style, um, that's not only black and white, but just the, the way it was animated, like was very reminiscent of, um, I mean, it, it looked like an old Kurosawa film from like the fifties, but also looked like a moving like sketch, you know, like the whole thing looked sort of hand drawn in pencil. Um, it was just a very cool, very unique art style. And then that juxtaposed with like the, the red lightsaber blades. And anytime there was a laser or a, a light or an explosion or something that was bright and in color. And so I, I just love that design choice. Um, and then of course the, the duel itself between the Ronin and the, the Sith bandit was, um, just, you know, really cool choreographed action, really cool, you know, animation and visuals. Um, so I thought this was a, a, just a really cool one to start off with. Um, which again, I was, I was the most excited for this one coming in or, or kind of just assumed that this one would be my favorite. And it actually didn't end up being my favorite one. Um, 
and this isn't really a knock on it or anything, but the, you know, the, the story of it is pretty simple. It's just, you know, Ronan is chilling in village. Bad guys show up to attack village. Ronan defends village. We get a cool lightsaber duel and that's kind of it. Um, but I did love the whole mechanic of like when, uh, you know, when his droid is damaged and he tells the old guy, like he puts the, <laughs> the tea kettle on and says, repair my droid by the yes. time this tea kettle is done. And then you kind of forget about that as he's having the lightsaber duel and everything, but having everything kind of timed to that. And then at the end, you know, the the kettle goes off, the steam is whistling and the droid flies out of there and, and takes down all the stormtroopers with like whistling birds, essentially. Um, so, yeah, there was some really cool stuff in here. But what do you guys think about this one? Jason, take it away. All right. Uh, I quite enjoyed this one. The design is probably my favorite uh, aspect of this because it is so different. And it, it because it is so different, it just it stands out really nicely uh, against all the others. Um, it's a very dynamic design choice, and I really appreciate that. Uh, and I think it really lends a, a gravity to what's going on here, even though you've got, you know, a weird Celestin, um, a astromech droid in a straw hat, uh, you know, and things like that going on. But uh, it, it was a really nice, simple, but uh, very well thought out and paced out story. Um, I didn't feel like there was any wasted moments. Um, the, the, the battle pacing, you know, first the laser battle uh, with the the guards um, and the the bandits was really good. And then, of course, the lightsaber battle at the end um, was just fantastic. So I thought the whole thing was actually very well done, very well put together, thought out. And I, I quite enjoyed it. And I'm actually was surprised uh, and am happy to learn this is the one that was getting the the novel so um because there were interesting things about this character because he's apparently was a sith but he's hunting sith and that was the thing that i was very curious about at the end and there was like wait a minute he was a sith but he's been hunting sith because we saw all of those kyber crystals in his kimono at the end that are all red it's like what's he doing why yeah well here's the thing i don't know if if it's necessarily confirmed unless it's in the book or something that i haven't seen but i don't know it's i didn't uh, take it as a as a confirmation that he is a former sith um of course there's a really cool the uh the visual guide on or the guide on starwars.com oh okay gotcha um because yeah i mean obviously you have the the moment when the the sith bandit leader goes to attack him and he stops her blade with the force and she goes oh you're a jedi and then he pulls out a red lightsaber um and it's like nope he's not a jedi uh but you're right i mean it was so cool to see him like he kills her at the end and then you see he's got a whole line of red kyber crystals in his coat which made me think you know kind of like what what qui-gon said maybe i killed a jedi and took it from him like maybe he's just you know maybe he's not a jedi but he's just made it his mission to hunt sith and he happened to kill one without a lightsaber and that was the first lightsaber that he took um maybe it made a fine addition it made a fine addition to his collection oh dear um Let's but he could also please, it, it is also the general grievous please don't do that uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is also very possible too that he he could just be a former sith um who 
you know, turned away from, from that path and realized the evil of the Sith way and has now taken it upon himself to hunt down all these other Sith. I think also it was interesting to note that this one, um, I think I saw an article too where they were talking about like all the time periods in the timeline that all these episodes take place in. And it's all a little bit nebulous. Like I, none of these are really supposed to be firmly in canon. They're not. Um yeah, and obviously some of them take more liberties than others, but like I said, some of them you can kind of at least place where this would be within canon. Um, but this one specifically, they said, is kind of supposed to be its own like reimagining of the Star Wars universe. It's not really in any particular timeline, um, which makes sense because, I mean, it, it, like even though they mention, I, I guess they do mention Jedi and Sith, but um, yeah, this one kind of feels the most like you know, it's obviously got those Star Wars influences in there, but it's also very much just sort of a, a Japanese samurai film with lightsabers. <laughs> it's feudal um, Japan. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah it exactly. is 100% so, feudal Japan with yeah. the Star Wars stuff. It, yeah. So it's, it's a Star Wars tales story. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, what, what about you, so, Joe? What, what did you think about, uh, the duel? Oh, man, this, this was the one I was least excited about to mirror uh, Kyle a little bit. Uh, really? But it ended up being my favorite one out of all. Oh, of them. wow. Because so I went into it. I'm, I'm a, like a cell shading type illustrator. So I was really excited to see all the ones that would make me want to turn around and draw afterwards, because when I see something really pretty, like an animation or a comic or whatever, and it makes me want to work afterwards, that's when I'm happiest watching something new. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, this show's definitely going to make me do that. And it did do that. But because of that, it was like I was just least excited about it because it's so different from my normal art style. Because I'm like, I like vibrant colors and everything. And while I can appreciate stuff in black and white, uh, I just was like, I want to see, you know, the rainbow explosions coming up in this in this <laughs> series. Um, and also, like I said, I'm very 2D. I work very like flat oriented artwork. Um, but this is as far as I can tell, this is the only one that was actually 3D animation. So they have the, um, you know, they have all the filters on to make it look like 2D. And um, but I'm pretty sure all the models were 3D models with this filter and they they do that um i think it's 15 frames per second animation where it just makes everything look oh like slightly jerky to the eye to to um kind of imitate 2d animation so mm -hmm. you know i i admit i can be a little bit of an animation purist sometimes i'm like no i want traditional 2d i don't like when 3d pretends to be 2d um but it was awesome it was so well so 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 well done um scary sith bandit lady super weirdly attractive and awesome and terrifying <laughs> i love her uh i think she's my favorite thing to come out of this umbrella umbrella lightsaber lady was awesome that um, was that was a unique weapon and I'm, oh super weird yeah. super, super cool weird. I, mean, I will say when when she jumped off the you know came out of the tank or whatever and like had the lightsaber and jumped through the air and was you know spinning it that's the first time that a helicopter lightsaber flying thing has ever looked cool. <laughs> right? I, you know, it's funny. I turned I turned to Tina when it happened. I was like, oh, here we go again with this lightsaber helicopter stuff. And no, it was an umbrella. And it was awesome. And she was shredding people with it. It was like, oh, I was so into it. Um, also, I, I don't know about you guys, but I actually watched 
uh, all nine of them the first time. I've only watched two of them in English, but all the other ones I watched in Japanese first. I plan on watching everything in English, uh, you know, in my next watch. Um, I her voice actress mm-hmm. was so awesome in Japanese mm-hmm. because, like, when when you have I don't know what it is. It's just like you know I'm generalizing here, but you know, often more often than not, when you have um, female villain voice actresses, they're still a little higher pitched, but like. Japanese voice actresses when they're villains they're like down here and scare and it's like whoa this is scary and <laughs> awesome um so I, I what what did you guys do with the which track did you listen to when you watched it um oh I, I watched them all in English yeah I've only watched them in English I, I did see that they had all you know the Japanese cast and everything so I was uh plan I'm planning to eventually go back and watch them in Japanese too with the English subtitles but um uh I and I know there are some people out there that say that is the only way to watch anime, but uh, it's not. Don't listen to those people. <laughs> I, I, I've never been beholden to, to what people say you should and shouldn't do anyway. So uh, <laughs> that being said, um, I do, you know, I do like to hear how voice acting is done in different languages and things like that. So out of that own curiosity, I'm planning to go back and watching it in the original language anyways. Um, but I have not done that yet. Yeah. yeah and that, I wanted, I, sat down I wanted, watch, I only sat down to watch these two days ago. So oh, uh, wow. yes. and that was only because I asked him if he wanted to come on the podcast and he was like, well, I haven't <laughs> watched it yet, but I'll watch it by Thursday. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend watching stuff, uh, you know, especially like anime, um, not because it's better in Japanese, but because it's just the delivery is always, uh, so different from what you're going to get with mm-hmm. American voice acting that, you know, Japanese is usually how it was intended. And then a lot of the times, you know, it's, it's, it's different for each anime or animated film or whatever. But when you have the English voice cast come in, you know, some studios c- kind of try to direct them to do something more Americanized. So it's just like, there's a weird disjoint and they have to fit that, like, you know, the mouth is moving for, for two minutes. And because of that, they, they like add too much more when the sentence is just like, yes, I'm fine today, but it's going on for much longer than it would take us to do that. And then it just, Mm. you know, it's stretched out and it's a little weirder and it's a little like much. And, and I don't know, it's, it's just not the way it was originally intended when it was animated. So because of that, there are those weird differences that sometimes can be a little bit awkward. And then other times there are studios who try to keep the same, um, you know, kind of tone going that the Japanese voice cast did, but then it just kind of falls flat because there is that, that disconnect because the American audience isn't going to understand, you know, some things that uh, it's more common in, in Japanese media. So mm-hmm. if nothing else, it's worth it to just to see what the delivery is like, um, how, how it, how it differs. Uh, so, and I loved it. It, w- it was amazing. It was like, I highly recommend it. It was really cool in Japanese. Yeah, and I've heard that from a couple other people, too, that I know that have watched it in Japanese. And I definitely want to check that out. It's interesting because I was watching an interview with uh, Masi Oga, who's um, he does the voice of Ethan in The Ninth Jedi. But he also he was um, uh, the character hero on the show Heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I love him and, you know, I was excited to see him in this. And so I, I watched an interview that he did with some site just, you know, doing press for this. And he mentioned that do like sort of the difference between American voice acting and, or, you know, just voice acting for a project that's in English versus 
dubbing something over that's in Japanese and trying to sort of match the the timing and the cadence and the um, and sort of the tone of the Japanese performance. It's different than if you were just recording it in English for the first time. And that's something that I had never really considered. Um, and so, yeah, it was, I mean, for the most part, I liked the performances in these. There were a couple of them, um, one in particular that we'll talk about in a bit where I, I wasn't <laughs> a big fan of the voice acting. Um, but that one that I didn't like, I heard from a couple people was much better in Japanese. So I eventually do want to go and get around to it. This is a weird little nitpick, but like I actually started watching the duel in Japanese and for whatever reason on my TV, like there's no option to change like the language or the subtitles, like within the Disney plus app itself. I just have to do it from like the sound options menu on my TV. Oh, weird. And yeah. And I can't like, I can change the, the audio track to Japanese, but I can't do it with just regular English subtitles. I can only do it with closed captioning. So it's got like the blocky mm, text and it's also yeah. like describing the sounds. It's like yeah. droid beeping. And it's like, no, I just want the English subtitles of what they're saying in Japanese. Like, don't give me all the, the description and stuff. So that was a little annoying. But at some point I'll get past that and still just watch the whole thing because I do want to check that out. Hmm. Um, so I, I have one more quick thing to add to uh, my thoughts on, on this one. Um, okay, go for it. So you know, you guys touched on it a little bit already, how at the end of it, it seems like, and I guess it's confirmed, um, that this dude used to be a Sith or some type of Dark Jedi. Yeah. And is now hunting other Sith slash Dark Jedi, whatever. Um, that was, see, I lost my mind when that happened because that was my biggest want for Kylo Ren. I wanted mm. Kylo Ren to redeem himself but because he did so much bad stuff, he would then wander the galaxy as a ro- like literally the words I used when I was when I was saying this is what I want is I want him to be a wandering masterless samurai. I want him to be a Ronin and to just do good and help people throughout the galaxy and take down other like, oh, I heard a rumor that there is, you know, this this force user who's causing trouble. I'm going to go take him down. That's what I want. That was my pipe dream for Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo. And obviously that's not what we got. So I was, you know, I, I knew that I probably wasn't going to get exactly what I wanted specifically. But the fact that that's exactly what this one was and like this was the vignette I was least excited for. And just like throughout the whole thing, like I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then by the end, I was just a fever pitch of excitement by the end of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Plus, I also, you know, you mentioned it before that. Um, I'm a big Kurosawa fan. I love Seven Samurai. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Um, I didn't realize that this one was going to be such a, like an homage to Kurosawa filmmaking down to the point that they had like the filters to make it look like film from the 1960s where it was like really mm-hmm. grainy and you could see all like the, the dust and imperfections on the screen itself. And like, once I noticed that I just like started to really appreciate it more and then just, it re- this thing really won me over. I really want to read the book because I want yeah. all that extra context of the story. Well, especially right from the opening title too, um, where you know it has like the Lucasfilm logo or whatever. But like when it when it when the short first starts and you see like the first scene of just him walking with his droid through the mountains and then like the I think it's just Japanese text comes up. This is the duel in Japanese, mm. but um, just the the lettering and the style of that title looked so much like an old movie, you know, an old black and white movie from the fifties or sixties. 
um, that, you know, right off the bat, aside from just the fact that it was black and white and it was a samurai, you know, Star Wars story, I already figured like, oh, this is probably going to be um, Kurosawa influence just because, uh, you know, that was one of George's biggest influences on the original trilogy. But um, yeah, as soon as I saw that at the beginning, I was like, oh, man, they're really going for it. And that's a really cool stylistic homage there. Yeah, it was it was really fantastic um, and definitely, definitely one of the highlights for me from from Star Wars Visions, but not my favorite. Yeah, th- yeah. And same here. I thought this was a great way to kick it off. I love this one right off the bat, but there were better ones to come, at least in my book. Um, <laughs> but we should move on to some of those other ones. Otherwise, this will just turn into a KOTOR and the Duel podcast. Yeah, let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so the next one is uh, Tatooine Rhapsody from Studio Colorado, uh, directed by Taku Kimura. Um, and this one is a big band, a band with big dreams must save one of their own from Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett. And this was one of the ones that was a little more kind of lighthearted and fun and cutesy. And honestly, this was one that I wasn't expecting to like as much going into it. Um, and while it wasn't my favorite one, I actually ended up enjoying it quite a bit. Um, like just starting off with the premise of, a, a you know, Jedi Padawan on the run during Order 66, was not expecting that that was going to be kind of how this whole thing kicks off. Um, but then rather than uh, going down the route of like Kanan Jarrus or Cal Kestis or somebody, you know, just kind of being in hiding and still eventually becoming a Jedi, he joins up with a band and, uh, you know, is rescued by this hut who happens to be Jabba's cousin or something. Um, and, yeah. you know, joins up with this band. They're playing in a club. Boba Fett shows up because there's a bounty on the hut and, you know, ends up, leads them on this whole uh you know chase where and th- i mean that was one of my favorite scenes in this was where they're getting chased by boba fett and the ships um but it was it was kind of cool like the first half of it just you know hearing tem morrison again and uh and just seeing boba show up that was a lot of fun and then the second half as they go to rescue their friend and end up you know they're trying to come up with this plan to rescue him from java and they decide to like they basically bribe java into like letting them play uh a band gig at the guy's execution. Um, and they end up getting the whole crowd going and, and, you know, through the, their upbeat energy and the power of music, they're able to change Jabba's mind and, you know, save their friend. And it's all like, it's kind of corny. It's kind of silly, but it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. I liked the music. I liked, again, just the fun, lighthearted nature of it. I liked, uh, you know, obviously Jabba and Boba Fett being the bad guys, but then as they really get into their song, like Boba's sitting there with his drink, kind of nodding his head, and Jabba's like mm-hmm. tapping his tail yeah. behind him, like where nobody can see and doesn't want anybody to know that he's actually into it. So, um, yeah, this one was a pleasant surprise for me. I ended up uh, having a lot of fun with this one. What would you guys think? Jason, you're up. All right. Well, I I enjoyed it. It wasn't one of my favorites. Um it was fun. Uh, I just, it caught me by surprise to be perfectly honest. It was one of those ones. Like I, I didn't know much about what was going on in this series before I started watching it. I knew it was coming. I knew it was a bunch of, you know, shorts done by various anime studios. I had no idea. I hadn't really watched much in terms of the trailers either. So, uh, this came as a complete surprise to me. Uh, it took me a second to, kind of wrap my head around the fact that okay we're gonna just follow a band uh which is something that has been done in star wars before which is fine uh but it was just like one of those things like oh okay we went straight from 
Ronan to, uh, hey, we're getting the band back together, you know, <laughs> uh, which considering the fact that I watched these all in one sitting was a bit jarring <laughs> to go from <laughs> Ronan to that. Um, so I think that might have done a little disservice to uh, <laughs> to Tatooine Rhapsody for me in that regard. But um, overall, I thought it was fun. It was nice and lighthearted. Uh, I, the thing that stuck with me the most from this is the fact that we had a hut with hair, um, <laughs> and a lot of it. So, uh, I, I just thought that was the weirdest, most funny thing. Um, well, didn't yeah. one of the huts in Clone Wars have a mustache? Uh, yeah, but like, even the one that had a toupee, it was like a, a little creature. Um, but like, this this hut here in visions just like long 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 flowing hair like <laughs> you could use it as a blanket because he's a hut and it went all the way down his back kind of thing so um yeah it was just something that i didn't think huts could do yeah um, and you thought jason <laughs> and, and and here you thought zero was the weird one in the family Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, why didn't we do this at night when it was cool? That was alarmingly <laughs> accurate, Jason. <laughs> oh, man. I will not admit to how long I have practiced Zero's voice. Wow. Um, that was really good. <laughs> I'm terrified, but that was really, really good. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't have much else to say about Tatooine Rhapsody. It was fun. I liked the story. Um, but not one I'm going to like jump back to immediately. Okay. Yeah. Joe, um, what about you? Yeah. I, it, I, I guess I'm more in line with you, Kyle, where it kind of was a pleasant surprise. Um, first of all, it was gorgeous. So I was already happy about that. Like it could be the worst one of the series. And if it's gorgeous, I'm still going to like it. Um, I love the art style. It was beautifully, beautifully animated. Um, it was a little jarring when I watched it the second time to see Tamora Morrison, well, to hear Tamora Morrison as stumpy little Boba Fett. Um, <laughs> yes. It was funny. Like, that made me like it more. Um, I did like it more in Japanese, though, because kind of, you know, coming off of what I mentioned earlier, it's just like when there's Japanese melodrama in anime, it just kind of works better with Japanese delivery mm -hmm. because when you have like American voice actors trying to like emote these things that American people just wouldn't say in English, it's just kind of a weird thing. So that, that was a little jarring for me um, in that regard, but I really liked it. I mean, it's really, it was really just anime melodrama, right? Like a, a Padawan who escaped order 66 joins a band instead of hiding like oh no we're gonna go on stage every night and perform and yeah at Jabba the Hutt we're gonna go perform on Tatooine and we're gonna we're gonna win over Jabba the Hutt's favor and not have our friend murdered like it was so over the top and silly and ridiculous it's that be our it was sponsor. endearing yeah yeah be our sponsor it was just I don't know <laughs> it was so silly and, and endearing yeah um and I I really liked um the art style uh, I, I think if the art yeah. style wasn't as just clean and just like sharply, uh, you know, tightened up and everything like it was 
because it was such a like a, a feast for my eyeballs this short made me want to draw afterwards because you know not because i was particularly inspired to like i'm gonna go tell a new story but it was just like oh this is so pretty i love your color choices i love uh i love the character designs i love everything um and i i think I really think that because I saw it in Japanese first that I liked it more because I really didn't enjoy it that much in English. As great as Tamora Morrison is, um, I just I didn't really enjoy it the second time I watched it. So these are the only two that I actually saw in English, The Duel and uh, Tatooine Rhapsody. Um, oh, OK. You know, it's it's funny you say that because, um, again, like as much as it was cool to hear Tamora Morrison doing Boba Fett, it was a little jarring, yeah. especially because he's like older now and kind of has a, yeah. a deeper, <laughs> gruffer voice. And it's funny because like I noticed that obviously when Boba Fett showed up in The Mandalorian, like his voice sounds a lot rougher, even from like Jango Fett. And uh, Tim said that like he did that intentionally, you know, he wanted to make mm. it sound like he's been through some stuff with the Sarlacc pit and everything. And, and he's kind of got this grizzled edge to him. Um, and it, like, there was still a little bit of that here. And so I don't know if it was just because he was kind of in that mindset from working on book of Boba Fett, or if it was, you know, again, just the fact that like, he naturally has some of that in his voice because he's older now, but like, yeah, that with this short little cartoony Boba Fett was like, not quite matching up in my brain, but it matched up closely enough that I was still like, hey, it's cool to still hear him as Boba Fett again. Mm. Yeah, it was it was cool to have him back, but it was also like a little jarring because everything else is very, uh, you know, bright and, and everything. And the fact that it's, you know, deep, gruff Tamora Morrison as Boba Fett was kind of funny, little little weird. Well, I mean, I guess it's no different, really, from whenever there's a like a Lego Star Wars thing and they get the, the voice cast to do it, right? Like it's yeah, it is jarring, of course, because it's, the Legos are talking right now, and it's the accurate voices that they're supposed to be, you know, <laughs> right. hyper stylized, simplified after. But like, it's it's all in good fun. I That's think. true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that was, especially with this one, that was the most important thing. It's just that it was fun. I mean, for me, like you said, Joe, even with, you know, some of like the the melodrama and everything, it reminded me of the kinds of, because I've never considered myself like an anime fan, but obviously just growing up as a kid, some of like the Saturday morning cartoons that I would watch were like from anime studios um, or, you know, would, would fall under that umbrella, even though. You know, if you if you talk to people that are into anime, like they wouldn't count Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh as anime like those are kids cartoons. But mm -hmm. it reminded me of that kind of stuff that I you know grew up with and like would watch on Saturday morning as a kid. So I enjoyed it um, like so more than I thought I would coming into it because um, I knew that it was going to kind of be like a, a silly, lighthearted one. But I ended up having a lot of fun with it. Man, um, I love Pokemon. <laughs> show <was> awesome. <laughs> I care what anybody says. Pokemon anime is awesome. <laughs> at least it was when i watched it but yeah yeah back when they had you know the original voice actors and stuff and mm -hmm. um at this point ash ketchum has just been 10 years old for 20 years he is but... bart simpson <laughs> never gonna age <laughs> oh <laughs> i'll go on a quick tangent about that there was a meme i saw one time because you know ash is always trying to win the pokemon league Mm -hmm. and uh you know and usually he gets to like the elite four or the championship or whatever and he doesn't win and it's supposed to teach him a lesson about humility or you tried your best or whatever and i guess recently after like 20 seasons of pokemon or something mm -hmm. um he finally won the pokemon league and somebody made a meme that was like oh it's a it's a 10 year old with 20 years of experience that's what every employer <laughs> is looking for nowadays <laughs> oh that's perfect <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Oh, man. 
But um, yeah, so let's move on to the next one, which is The Twins, uh, which is from the studio Trigger and directed by Hiroyuki Imaishi. Um, and this one is Twins Born into the Dark Side Clash Aboard a Massive Star Destroyer. Um, and so this is when you had the the brother and the sister, uh, Kare and Am, I think their names were. Um, and I think this one is supposed to take place, you know, roughly like uh, post Rise of Skywalker. And these guys have like, you know, they're in charge of the last remnants of the Empire or something like that. Um, and of course, you got this big Star Destroyer, like it's two Star Destroyers that are joined in the middle by this giant engine. And each of the twins is commandeering, um, you know, the bridge of one of the two destroyers. And they've got some, uh, you know, some secret weapon that's going to let them like unleash havoc on the galaxy and finally, you know, fulfill their purpose of what they were they're born to do. And they were like born into the dark side and they were born for this purpose of, of reestablishing the Sith and the Empire and all that. Um, and then the brother uh, grows a conscience and uh, decides that this isn't right. And he goes and disables the weapon and takes the kyber crystal from it. How dare he? Um, yeah, and then you know his sister comes after him, and they have this big epic confrontation where they're out in space on top of the star destroyer, and they're fighting with their lightsabers, and the crystal is making all this wild energy stuff, and there's, um, you know, there's there's lightsabers, there's lasers, there's floating rocks, there's force powers, there's uh, X-wings going to hyperspace with somebody riding on the front of it with his lightsaber upside down with a giant rainbow beam coming out of it. Um, this one was super over the top. And speaking of, you know, just, uh, you know, big, wild, flashy, over-the-top stuff and melodrama, um, this one didn't particularly work all that well for me. Um, but this is also one of the ones that I've only watched in English, and I heard from uh, a couple people that they, you know, really enjoyed this one watching it in Japanese. So this is one of those ones that I'll have to go back and watch. Because definitely with this one, the delivery of some of the dialogue um, was, you know, just kind of came off kind of corny to me. Um, but it also fell into like some tropes with anime that I've seen that just really don't do it for me that kind of turn me off, which is like, you know, again, where you have these, these big over the top flashy, you know, battles. And then in the middle of that, there's just, you know, this like family melodrama type stuff going on where one character is screaming at the other one about you need to remember your destiny and you're my brother and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, just being really dramatic about it. And then the other guy is sitting there having this internal monologue, like, Oh no, she's being consumed by the power of the crystal. I have to do something. Oh wait, I know if I hit the crystal with my lightsaber, as I fly over it, straddling my X wing, you know, and just like, it, over expository you know yeah, explaining the whole thing just, yeah, yeah just had me you know kind of rolling my eyes going oh see this is why i'm not an anime fan <laughs> um so as much as you know some of the the fighting and stuff was cool just the story and the the performances in this one didn't really draw me in as much um but what'd you guys think uh, i'm kind of with you on this one uh there was some really cool action scenes but it went on for basically the whole episode and it was a long uh, it was one of the longer ones um if i recall correctly it was almost 20 minutes um and it it was it was over the top which i'm fine with things over the top i'm fine with big action sequences but this one just it kept going and i was like is there an end um, at one point, I I kind of looked to see how much longer I had left in the story because 
I was getting to the point where I was like, can I, can I just get the conclusion? Um, overall, I liked it. I thought the design was really cool. And the final shot that they had, um, with Kare and his little astromech sitting on top of his X-Wing that his nose dived into the Tatooine sand dune, um, watching the sun's set is one of the most gorgeous shots, I think, in the, um, in the whole series, uh, like I want that as an art print, but it, it for whatever reason, this one, and it's going to be weird because of some of my favorites in here, a lot of action sequences, but it was, it was definitely, I think like you, Kyle, it was one of the ones that didn't quite work for me one for one reason or another. Um, I enjoyed it, you know, overall, I thought some of the, the, design um and look of it was was gorgeous but it was a little much yeah uh joe what about you uh i i agree that i think this is one of the weaker stories but uh you know again i watched it in japanese japanese delivery was awesome uh visually it was awesome so it was pretty to watch the entire time uh and you know, I, I had a hard time following what was going on after a while with the action because, you know, you're right, Jason, like action fatigue is a real thing. Uh, you know, it's important to pace like a little bit, I guess, more rest in between. But I guess because they only had one, you know, whatever window to tell the story. I do think a lot of it was unnecessary. But at the same time, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not really sure where this is going. But I think I'm just going to surrender to it and stop thinking about it and just follow along for the ride. Let them take me where they're going to take me. And at that point, I enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, you know, it was so, you know, you, Kyle, you mentioned so over the top with a lightsaber cutting a Star Destroyer in half, which is ridiculous, but like awesome to see. Right. It reminded me of like, I can't even give you a specific, but, you know, all those like whenever you watch a movie and there's like a legend of like you long ago, the goddesses came and placed every star in the sky. And like, it was just over the top, larger than life action that it really felt like a retelling of someone telling you an old legend from like long ago, mm. the Jedi and the Sith were blah, blah, blah. Here, here's the, yeah. just, here's were two twins. Is. Here's what this is. Yeah. This story is the basic idea of Star Wars good versus evil twins mm. Jedi Sith um space explosions this is the basic idea of Star Wars told through telephone around the world about yeah. three times <laughs> yeah yeah it's the uh, anyone familiar with backstroke of the west yes yeah oh my back, god the backstroke of the west <laughs> realized <laughs> oh jason are you not familiar with I'm it i'm not what is this okay it sounds so amazing. it's a it's a bootleg it's it's basically like revenge of the, it's a bootleg copy of revenge of the sith okay that was like bootlegged in in china or something and was like poorly translated from english to chinese and then like back to english 
Yeah, I believe um, it was English to Mandarin and then from Mandarin back to English. And everything is just like, what? Anakin um, is Allah. Um, okay. The Jedi, the Jedi the, Council. The Jedi, and the Jedi Order is, it's the Presbyterian the Church, Presbyterian right? Church. <laughs> it's crazy. There's swearing in it. It's there's, crazy. There's F-bombs. There's a, yeah, is, I was, I was going to say, I'm trying to think of like a funny quote to come up from it that's like appropriate for well, the show because when, there aren't many. When Grievous says Jedi scum, it's smelly boy. <laughs> it's, it's, let me tell you, every single subtitle is a gift. So if you ever get a chance to watch, if hunt hunt down backstroke of the West and yeah. watch, yeah, and there was some website that just had wonderful. like screenshot, like the best screenshots from the entire thing as a whole like image yeah. gallery. It and there was one from the opening wonderful. space battle where one of the clone pilots was like, you know, he's right on my tail or something like that, and the subtitle was, "He's in my behind." He's inside my behind. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, dude, it's really it's okay. Um, backstroke of the uh, West. Yes, backstroke of the West, which is Revenge of the Sith. Oh no! That's what you, no. that's what <laughs> yeah. this is translated to. Um, the I I like uh, when um, uh, Palpatine is captured on Grievous's ship, and they're <laughs> like, uh, "You're no match for him. He's a Sith Lord." Chancellor Palpatine, Sith or Sith Lords are specialities. It's get help. He is big. <laughs> Obi Wan <laughs> says, "But Mister Speaker, we are for the big." <laughs> so good, dude. It's so good. Oh, and it's then so at the fun. end, you know, when when uh, Vader finds out Padme dies and goes, "No," this, it's do not want. Do not want, <laughs> dude. It's so good. If you ever heard "do not want" on the internet, it's because of Backstroke of the West that kind yeah. of like turned into a meme. Okay. I'm yeah, it's really it. amazing. Okay. So yes, this is the backstroke of the West of a verbal legend of st- what Star Wars is basically. Yes. <laughs> oh. It was cool, but overall, like I, I, I did enjoy it. it yeah. This was one of the ones that made me like really want to work. And coming like right off of Tatooine Rhapsody, it was like, ooh, two, two pretty ones in a row. I want to draw. Let me watch the other ones first. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! I'm so glad you brought that up, Joe. That that <laughs> made my night. Wonderful! I'm glad to hear that. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to the next one. And now we're getting into uh, some of the ones I really enjoyed here. Um, the Village Bride from Kinema Citrus, directed by uh, Hitoshi Haga, uh, and this one is a Jedi on the run takes in the unique customs of a remote village under threat by a warlord. And so um, we start off this one. You know, we've got this sort of mysterious young woman who's on this planet and uh you know you quickly kind of get the sense that like she's a jedi in hiding she's got um this older guy that's kind of like a a friend or mentor to her and at first i was wondering if this was maybe like supposed to be her jedi master but then he mentioned something to her about them having a, a mutual friend who has a connection to this planet and she mentions that it's her master so um and then we see a flashback that kind of implies that her master died uh like during order 66. I think just especially based on the fact that like there's battle droids in this one and they mention the war and the separatists and stuff I think this one is loosely supposed to take place like in between episodes 3 and 4. Yeah. Um but um yeah I mean you know so it, it start it starts off with the the guy that's her mentor you know says hey I got something i want to show you and they basically just watch this young couple going up this mountain and are kind of just observing their their customs and this is some sort of um you know like marriage ritual um 
where you know she's his bride and he's taking her to this sacred site up this mountain like carrying her on his back and then they get up there and they're at this shrine where they become very like in tune with nature and the planet and they're seeing um like the memories of this planet and stuff and it was all like really pulled me in it for this beginning part there's not even really that much of a story to it like there's there's not really it, it's not very plot driven at first mm-hmm. um but just the the gorgeous visuals, the music, and just kind of these themes of like, um, you know, this connection to nature and that kind of being um, like a, a real world parallel for the force. And obviously on this planet, it's kind of both like, you know, you have this Jedi who believes in the force, but then these people, they call it the Majina, um, which is like their sort of spiritual connection with nature and the planet and the mountains and everything, which is also something that's very prominent in Japanese culture. Um, and it, you know, they're, they're kind of tied together. They're like one in the same. It's like these people's version of the force, um, which is cool. Cause I mean, we see that in star Wars in, in other areas too. Um, you know, whether it's the guardians of the wills or the night sisters or just other planets where they have sort of their own customs and culture sort of centered around the force or around this mystical energy, but they, they, uh, interact with it in different ways than the Jedi do. Um, so that was kind of the first half of the episode is just, you know, um, just sort of letting you uh, take in all this sort of mystical, spiritual stuff that I really enjoyed. Um, and then you get into kind of the actual plot of the episode where they they go back down the mountain and this young couple is like having their, their wedding feast. Um, and I don't know if they're supposed to actually be married at this point or if this is like a betrothal thing. Um, but regardless, like the, the Jedi, I guess her name's just F. Um, which I didn't even like, they don't name her in the episode, but, um, that's, you know, in the the credits or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and I forget the name of her, her companion guy, but they're sitting kind of on the outskirts of the ceremony, you know, taking it all in. And they find out that, um, there's basically this gang of, of bandits or whatever you want to call them that after the war and after the separatists were driven out, that these guys came in, uh, commandeered all these leftover battle droids and just kept on oppressing this village and these people. Um, and basically sort of as, as tribute or kind of as collateral, just to make sure that everybody is behaved, they're going to basically take the village chief as a hostage. And the bride has, has basically volunteered to go in his place, um, to be taken by these, these hoodlums or whatever you want to call them. Um, and her sister is, you know, opposed to it. She wants to fight back. She's got a a group of people that, um, you know, want to kind of take up arms against these guys and, and defend themselves. Um, and then, uh, you know, it all comes to a head the next day. They have this confrontation when the, the guy comes with his ship and the droids. And, uh, you know, the sister and her husband are going to go, you know, volunteer themselves to be taken. But then they come out and they've already captured the sister and her her rebels and they're going to execute him. Um, and F steps in and, you know, stops him from firing a blaster bolt at the sister. And she ignites her yellow bladed katana lightsaber. Um and then her friend is like up on the hill and starts, you know, picking off the droids. And then he like, he's got this weird like mechanical helmet and he takes it off and just yeets it down the hill. <laughs> and then it turns into like a rocket that flies up into the ship and blows up. And again, it's just one of those anime things where it's just like, what the heck just happened? I don't know, but that was kind of cool, I guess. But then he's wearing um, it after that scene. He's got an extra. Oh, I didn't even catch that. You know what? It, after that, maybe, he's wearing it again. <laughs> maybe he's got multiple rocket helmets, Joe. I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, which, and honestly, that was, 
like that was cool but i also kind of wanted to see her get to take down some battle droids and i was yeah. like oh man they just they they rocket helmeted the whole ship and the droids <laughs> and made that super easy but then still um you know her her showdown with the main villain you know she's standing there with the lightsaber and then uh he's threatening to kill the bride and she kind of you know gets in her crouch and she's got these cool like metallic heels on that kind of shift and do a little like transformers kind of thing and then she just like takes a diving leap forward and like cuts the guy's hand off slices right through him and um was just a really cool uh you know just a, a really cool climactic showdown to end the episode it's like obi-wan um, small and rebels it was yeah and yeah. and again i mean with that fight as well dave uh you know, specifically modeled that after samurai films where their fights are usually very quick and there's usually a lot of buildup and a lot of um, sort of reading your opponent and it's just as much sort of mental as it is physical. And then, you know, there, there's usually like a, a long dramatic buildup to to the showdown. And then when you actually fight, it's usually just one strike, one kill. Um, and not necessarily, you know, a long drawn out sword fight or anything. And especially because in this case, he didn't have a sword or anything. It wasn't, he wasn't going to fight her. It was just her taking him down before he could kill his hostage. Um, and this was, you know, I, I mean, I love this episode overall. Like I said, I love the the spiritual aspects of it and just the, the visuals of the planet and sort of that exploration of the force as a connection to nature and all that. Um, but then this moment right here, like just the reveal with her lightsaber and also the fact that she's wearing this mask through the whole episode. And it's, um, I think it, it you know, it kind of serves two purposes. Like, again, you see sort of a flashback where you see like her, her hearing her master being killed during order 66. Um, but she's also got the scar on her face. And so I think it's like, she's wearing the mask kind of, kind of to conceal her identity because she's on the run, but also to conceal the scar and maybe that's, you know, kind of like a, a source of shame for her, but then also the the scar kind of representing her past and the failure of the Jedi and, and just trying to sort of put all that behind her. Um, so I felt like there was, you know, just kind of different layers to her, you know, finally taking off the mask, cutting off the Padawan braid and not being afraid to step out as a Jedi and, and you know, stand up for these people and help them and take on this guy. And then... Um, just love the design of her lightsaber and the uh you know again just the style of that showdown and just the the quick one strike to take this guy out was probably this wasn't my this actually on watching through all of these the first time this was my favorite episode oh wow um, okay yeah just because uh, and again the it's my favorite the do yes yeah, the duel and uh Tatooine Rhapsody, I thought were, you know, had both a lot of fun with both of those. Then the twins was not really into, but this was the first one watching all through all of them in order that really stuck out to me as like, wow, that was something really special. Um, and that just kind of stuck with me through watching all the rest of them. So this was my favorite the first time I watched it. And then on I've rewatched a couple of them multiple times, and there's one that has overtaken my top spot. Um but I still love this one a lot. It's my second favorite out of all of them. And I thought this was just, uh, just again, just a really cool idea, really cool concept and just great execution. Yeah. Yeah. No, this one is my favorite. Um, I, I love the, uh, all the spiritual exploration of the force, not only with the, the villagers and the nature and everything, but also how that relates to, um, uh, 
F the the Jedi. And it's it's funny because she's very much like encouraged to explore that and to to delve into that by her her friend who is not any of those things. He's not a native of this planet. He's not a Jedi. He's just used to be friends with her master. So um, I I love this story. The the visuals are amazing. Um, and it felt like an actual world in Star Wars. Like I felt like this could have actually been in canon, like this kind of story. Maybe maybe not, you know, maybe a little uh, less um, stylized, I guess. Um, you can take like, that back. No, not, not stylized. <laughs> the, uh, you know, but that's not the right word, but I couldn't think of the right word. But like the uh, this whole story, this whole world, this culture, um, it felt like it was right at home in the Star Wars universe. And I I absolutely loved it. The there was not a thing wrong in this this story. Um, and and I will I won't say I'll fight anybody who says otherwise, but um, I, I won't <laughs> fight anybody who says otherwise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Joe? Am I going to have to fight you over this one? Um, we are not fighting okay, on this good. one, sir. Good. There, this is there. There is no hill to die on. We are in agreement. This is uh, a really wonderful one. And you know what? I bet a big part of you liking it, in addition, Jason, hmm. uh, is that you were so fatigued with the action in the last one, and then all of a sudden you finally got your you know, repose, so to yes. speak, ju- juxtaposed in this one. It was so like calm and relaxing almost. Oh, it was um, so until, beautiful. Until you know, the end. But yes. Yeah. It was really cool. It was, it was, it was, you know, you guys already mentioned it a little bit. Like it was, you know, we understand it as the force through this organization of Jedi. But then you have, you know, this culture here with, with their understanding of the force and, and their interpretation of it and their spiritual connection to it it was cool like it was it was a it was a unique idea i really liked that they did something like that um and just the art style was beautiful it was three for three for me in terms of like i want to (laughs) draw like i just want to get to work right now um i really really like the way that the the characters were colored in this one um they just chose really nice um can't think of the word because like there were there were some really nice vibrant colors, but then it was it was uh, complemented really nicely with some muted ones, mm-hmm. and the lighting was always really nice. And oh man, it was just it was it made me want to do color study sketches. And it was just it was awesome. Um, story was cool though. Like there wasn't much to it. It was it was very slow paced compared to a lot of these, um, especially compared to the twins. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it was it's definitely in the top half. For me, I don't know if it's my second or third. I got to check my list again, uh, but I might move it around. Um, it was really awesome, though. And and out of all of them, uh, if I were to do fan art of any of them, it would probably be this one. That's awesome. Because it was just like, nice. I want to I wanna draw in this style. I want to color in this style. This is amazing. It's it's really good. It's really quite good. And I'm, I'm very happy with how how that one turned out. The Village Bride. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, me too. And and like you were saying too, Jason, like I like that this one established kind of its own little piece of like lore and culture within the Star Wars universe. And it didn't just feel like, oh, they're on, you know, in a, a random village or on a random planet or something like it felt like a 
a place with its own kind of identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like it could be its own planet within Star Wars. And like, even though, you know, this stuff isn't canon, like this easily could be. Um, I mean, I guess from aside from maybe like the Katana lightsaber and a couple of the other kind of more anime stylized kind of things in here. There should be um, Katana lightsabers in Star Wars. Yes. Just saying. Yes. I, I wouldn't complain. Um, <laughs> and and obviously, I'm, I'm certainly not complaining about that stuff within the episode. Like, I, I like those touches in this that, you know, make it unique and, and make this anime, you know, style of storytelling what it is. Um, but yeah, like it, this, this could easily be something that happened on some planet with some jedi that was in hiding after order 66 so it was i thought it was a great blend of the two because there were definitely like there were some shorts in here that felt like pretty familiar like type of star wars stories that maybe could even be done in in live action or in a clone wars episode or something if you wanted to and then there were also ones that were just so kind of you know wild and out there that it's like this could only be done in anime you know that's so Mm -hmm. sort of stylized and artistic and um it's just like you know only lends itself to that kind of medium and this was like right down the middle this was a perfect blend of both where it was a familiar type of star wars story and again felt like a a real star wars character and a real star wars planet that could exist in canon but at the same time like this particular planet and this particular story felt so well suited to anime that like i wouldn't really want to see this as live action because i feel like you would lose you know just a lot of what makes this um special and unique Mm -hmm. yeah um, all right, but we'll move on from this one to episode five, which is the ninth Jedi uh, from the studio production IG, directed by Kenji Kamiyama. Um, and this one uh, is the daughter of a lightsaber smith is pursued by dark forces while on a dangerous mission. Um, an interesting thing about this one, I don't know if you guys have watched any of the behind the scenes shorts that are on Disney Plus to go along with this. Um, yeah. They've got a whole series of featurettes featurettes for each episode i haven't watched all of them yet but i've watched a few of them and they're really good um and i watched the one for this one and uh if you notice there's a a couple studios in here that did two different shorts um because it's it's uh nine episodes but it's just seven studios and a couple of them did two episodes and production ig originally was going to do two episodes um and i think they had like one of their ideas was about this group of masterless jedi that comes together and are sort of trying to reform the Jedi order and don't know if they can trust each other or not. Um, and then the other story was about the daughter of this lightsaber Smith, um, who has to, you know, create lightsabers for, for Jedi in a time where there are no Jedi and they're trying to, to find these lost Jedi and, and deliver the sabers to them. And Lucasfilm kind of got these two story concepts and said, Hey, like these would work really well together. Like, why don't you guys just sort of combine them? And also, I guess originally they all had a time limit of like 10 to 15 minutes per episode. Um, and Lucasfilm gave them permission to, you know, combine these, make it longer and, and kind of really flesh it out, which is why this is the longest episode at 22 minutes. Um, but this is my favorite one. This is the one that after watching it a couple of times, I keep coming back to, I keep thinking about this one. Um, and I really, really like of all these episodes, this is the one that I want to see more of. And I want a continuation of this. This felt like a pilot episode of its own show. And like, we could get a weekly episodic anime series of like, you know, a, a 16 episode season or something like that of the ninth Jedi. And I would be all on board for that. Um, There's so much good stuff in here. I mean, from the, uh, you know, again, you kind of got the two parallel stories going on where you've got Kara, the daughter of the Sabersmith, um, 
and I love their first scene together where like he he has finished completing all these lightsabers and he gives Kara one of them and it's got this really long blade with kind of this uh you know dark kind of see-through green color like it's it doesn't look like a lightsaber that we're used to um and she's like well you know this one doesn't have a color and it's super long like you know and he says well actually what I've done is I've you know tuned the kyber crystals so that the length and the color of the blade reflects the the connection to the force of the person wielding it. And so through that, we get the sense that like Kara has some connection to the force, but is not, you know, super strong yet or anything. Um, but I just, I love that as a concept. Like, and this is something that is kind of exists a little bit in canon with like the, uh, the younglings arc in Clone Wars, where they go to find their, their kyber crystals for their lightsabers. And sort of the idea of like, the crystal choosing the Jedi and then like the crystals are colorless at first and then they take on a color once they're, they're chosen by their Jedi. Um, but to expand that into lightsabers and have, you know, a lightsaber that will change color or length or, you know, the blade properties reflect the the user and their unique connection to the force. I just thought was a really cool idea. And I love anything dealing with like just sort of the, the mythology of the Jedi and the Sith and lightsabers and Kyber crystals and all that stuff. And so to have this one story with, um, you know, with this, this saber smith and Kara, who's just instantly this like sweet, innocent, likable character who's, you know, eager to go on this adventure and kind of help out. Um, but, you know, goes from, again, just kind of innocent, unassuming uh, kid who's, you know, willing to help out to, you know, us quickly finding out that she's strong in the force um, up to the end where, you know, she solidifies the color of her lightsaber, which is an awesome moment. Um, and then that running alongside this other storyline where you've got the Margrave, who's the ruler of this planet, who's trying to to call all these Jedi together to reestablish the Jedi Order in a time period that I think is supposed to take place after Episode Nine, um, some undisclosed amount of time after the Rise of Skywalker, where there still aren't a lot of Jedi in the galaxy, but um, there are obviously a few of these like masterless Jedi. Which again, you kind of touched on this idea earlier, Joe, of like, you know, Ronin being these just sort of wandering samurai that don't, you know, they're they're loyal to a code and to a, a purpose, but, you know, don't serve under anybody or they're, they're not loyal to one particular person or anything. Um, and obviously here with Jedi, like they have no, no masters, they have no order, they have no council, but these are force sensitive people that... Um, I don't know if the if the story is supposed to imply that they're just force sensitives or that they they have already kind of taken it upon themselves to be Jedi. But again, they have no leaders or masters or anything. And so the Margrave is trying to kind of rally all these people together and be like, hey, let's actually form a Jedi order again. Um, but there's also Sith and the Sith are trying to hunt down these Jedi and stop them from reforming the Jedi order. And so you get this you know, just really great like mystery and setup where you don't know if you can trust the Margrave or not because like he's supposedly trying to lead these Jedi, but he looks all scary and he's got this, you know, sort of intimidating looking mask. Um, but it turns out that a bunch of the Jedi are actually Sith and they're the traitors. And so like when Kara delivers the lightsabers to them and a bunch of them ignite them all at once and they're all red and it's like, oh shoot. And then the Margrave comes out and he's been like hiding inside this droid the whole time. Um, you know, right there in their midst. And he was trying to draw all these Sith out. Um, and just, you know, awesome display of power from this guy. He doesn't even have a lightsaber, but he takes the lightsaber from the first Sith guy that tries to attack him. And the lightsaber turns from red to green, and then he cuts the guy in half. And this epic battle ensues with like three or four Jedi against these like Sith, six Sith acolytes. Um, and again, just the 
the lightsaber duels, the story setup, the twists, the the lore that they establish here, um, the the you know characters that were immediately likable and intriguing, and also this one definitely had my favorite music out of all the shorts too. Um, and they showed in the behind the scenes short, they showed like some of the scoring sessions for this, and it's so just you know the it's got this beautiful orchestral score that's like sweeping and cinematic and feels very star Wars, like feels almost like it could be a John Williams theme, but has, you can hear a little bit of like a, a Japanese twist on it too. Um, with some of the instruments in there, but it, it feels like it fits right in with, um, star Wars music that we're familiar with. And so, um, I think, like I said, on watching this the first time, like the, the village bride was just the first one that stuck out to me that I was like, wow, that was really cool. And then I saw, uh, the ninth Jedi and I was like, wow, that one was really cool too. But it was, you know, it's kind of my second favorite, but this is the one that I keep coming back to that. I'm like, man, I love everything they did here. Um, from the, the epic lightsaber battles to the, the droid drinking his tea and saying, you know, go away. I'm on my break. Like it had some good comedic moments in there too. Um, but I think again, just everything they established here, I think this one feels the most like it's got, it just kind of establishes its, its own, its own world, its own characters, and really sets a foundation that it could build off of if they wanted to. And so if anything comes of this, if we get anything else, you know, any, any new content in the future related to Star Wars Visions, I want a continuation of the ninth Jedi. And, uh, you know, of course, cause Kara's father ends up getting captured and so they're, going off at the end you know her and all the other jedi um they're trying to find other jedi they're trying to reestablish the jedi order and they're also trying to uh find her father and so right there you've already got multiple mission objectives that you could make stories from you've got multiple characters that you could you know flesh out the, the backstories and the relationships for and stuff so i love this one i want more of it and uh i just thought this was super cool jason you're alive um, I think so. Um, <laughs> um, man, Kyle just ran with that one. For yeah. Yeah. You know what? And, and I knew I was going to, like, I, 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 I won't have as much to say about some of the other ones, but this one, I could, I could do a whole podcast just on the ninth Jedi and why yeah. I need more um, so, Cohen's not here today. Someone had to really just whoosh, right, take a right. topic and run. I, I was going to say. Kyle, you're you're filling in Mike's uh, position very well today. So, uh, just we love you, Mike. Um, but no, I I really do enjoy this uh, this story. It's it's also uh, in the top tier for me uh, for visions. Uh, it, the the world it created, the characters that were there. Um, I love. I've always enjoyed the concept of. Uh, the saber create creation, you know, whether it's a, you know, the, the journey they, that they take, um, you know, to find their kyber crystals or, you know, a, a saber smith, a sword smith of sorts to, you know, create stuff like that is always been very interesting to me. I love that stuff. Um, I will say the, uh, the twist where, you know, over half the, uh, the Jedi assembled turned out to not to be Jedi. Uh, was something that caught me off guard. I did not expect it at all. Um, I I thought something was weird. I couldn't put my finger on it, but uh, it was it was a twist that I didn't expect, and one that I thought was really uh really really worked. And I also liked that it wasn't like a 
hard and fast. Yes, these are all now the bad guys because one of them ended up turning back, you know, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a really cool thing. And you could tell that he was questioning and everything because his blade turned from red to purple, not fully like blue or green, but he's still kind of like questioning everything. So his blade turned purple uh, during the duel. And I thought that was interesting. So, um, overall, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, the characters were fantastic. The action was very well choreographed and that pilot droid, the cantankerous old pilot droid was perfectly, (laughs) perfectly accented everything. Uh, I, I just, the moment where the duel starts and he's just sitting there in the shuttle, looking out the window, sipping his, his oil tea and goes, nice move kid is Probably my I burst out laughing at that moment. This probably my favorite moment from this this short. So nice. Joe, yep. what about you? I have nothing to add, and not because I dislike it. I just I'm hundred percent on board with you guys. Uh I loved it. I want to see more of it. I love the threads that they started. I love uh the characters are super interesting. I've loved the twist. I didn't see it coming either, Jason. Um yeah, I just I want more of the story. There's really not much else for me to say. Uh, yeah. And another another pretty one. Huzzah. <laughs> so I was very happy about that. Yeah, this one was I mean, like I said, aside from the music, just the, the animation, too, is absolutely gorgeous. I loved some of the just like the lighting in the environments, especially up on the temple. Um, and gosh, that final shot where, you know, they're they're on that temple. That's like sort of the, the floating spire. And then it and turns over the light coming light out from under paper. it, it yeah. rotates like a giant floating lightsaber that was so cool i i approved of the symbology <laughs> yeah um all right yeah that was like i said more more of that please i'll keep banging that drum until we get something every time they announce a new star wars series that's not a continuation of the ninth jedi i'm gonna be that guy in the comments that's like okay but when are we getting a continuation of the ninth jedi <laughs> i um, feel like i haven't heard of anybody well anyone in my circles that has seen visions I don't think anyone has been anything other than, you know, excited about that one. Like, I can't think of anyone who was like, oh, it was fine. Or like, oh, I didn't like it. It's like, everybody's like, oh, man, that one was awesome. Yeah, that does seem to be. um, I mean, like I said, I've seen like wildly differing opinions from people on which ones are their favorites. Mm. But I think the Ninth Jedi, along with like the duel and the village bride, seem to be near the top of everybody's lists. Mm. Um, but I've also seen a lot of people agreeing that like, you know, the ninth Jedi might not be my number one favorite, but it's the one that, you know, probably would be, uh, the best as a continuation or, or sets yeah. up the best for, for more to come. So I'm glad other people have that sentiment because the more people say that the more Lucasfilm is going to listen and the more yeah. that I'm hoping that something like that will come to fruition. So, um, yeah, just, you know, everybody keep, keep talking about it. Keep letting them know that you want it. If, yeah, you're, keep if you're like us it. and you want to see more of that story. Yes, so, please. I need um, to see the Sabersmith rescued because I yeah. loved him. He was a fantastic character and he was only in there for like, you know, a couple minutes. And I knew that was going to happen. And I was like, no, I need more of him. Please, please bring him back. Yeah. And I didn't even realize until I saw the credits. He's voiced by uh, Simu Lu from Shang-Chi. So it'd be great. to. I don't know if they, you know, if they did a continuation of that, if they'd get to have him come back and and you know do that role full time but that would be great to get to hear more of him as in that um role as well but um yeah like i said i mean 
we need a resolution to that. We got to see the dad get rescued. We got to figure out what other Sith are out there and who's the big threat and, and find more Jedi. Like there's plenty of setup that they could work with for, you know, a, a spinoff series or a movie or something like that. So, um, yeah, I really would love to see that. Um, but we'll move on to the next short, which is T.O.B. one, uh, from, uh, science. Saru is the studio and is directed by Abel Gongora. Um, and uh, the synopsis is a cybernetic boy who dreams of being a Jedi uh, discovers a dangerous truth about his creator. And this was another one of those ones kind of like Tatooine Rhapsody that just seeing like the description and having seen some of the, the art in like the trailers or whatever, I didn't think I was going to like this one as much. Um, and this one I just absolutely fell in love with, with, uh, you know, just the whole concept of th this one was obviously like a throwback to um some older you know classic anime like astro boy yeah. and mega man and also was even kind of like a pinocchio type story about this boy who's a droid um who wants to become a jedi and wants to be able to use the force and um you know he, he dreams about it he draws pictures on the walls about it and uh you know one day his creator tells him you know that basically he has to find a kyber crystal in order to like connect with the force and he's searching all over the planet and he can't find one, but he inadvertently draws an inquisitor to the planet. And it turns out that his master is a Jedi and the inquisitor kills his master. Um, and then, um, but in, you know, in the aftermath of his, uh, you know, his master being defeated, he wants to carry on his work and, and try to like, continue healing the planet through the force and do all this stuff that his master was trying to do. And eventually he discovers that the Kyber crystal that he was looking for was inside himself the whole time. And it was, you know, that was the thing that was powering him. And so he finally gets his connection to the force and he gets to have a lightsaber and he defeats the inquisitor in a lightsaber battle. And, you know, it's very, uh, you know, cute and fun and wholesome, but just like, I loved the art style. I loved the music and I loved just the, the story of the, you know, the journey that this character goes on. Um, it was just a, a sweet little sort of condensed version of, you know, the hero's journey that we've seen in Star Wars so many times. Um, but I don't know. This was just, it was a really fun, you know, feel good one. I can't even describe that well how, you know, just why it resonated so much with me, especially when I know this is one that a lot of people didn't like as much. And it's one that I wasn't expecting to like, but it just warmed my heart. I couldn't help but love it. Um, so this was... Uh, yeah, definitely. This was surprisingly one of my favorites. But what do you guys think? Jason? Did we lose Jason? Uh, I don't know. Did we lose Jason? Can you hear him? I cannot hear him. Oh, he stepped away for a second. Oh, all right. Um, um, I just saw he put in the chat. He said, Keep uh, going, okay. I need to pee. All right. So I'll, I'll have I'll go. to... Oh, okay. Um, I'll hopefully Mike cuts this part out. One fifty-seven. Uh, boy, I hope he listens to this before. He well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a note to uh, tell him there's a part to cut out at one fifty-seven. All right, cool. Um, okay. Well, um, hello. Yeah. So I'll I'll. Oh wait, Jason, are you back now? I'm back. Okay. Oh, okay. Well. I I threw it to you. I hadn't been looking at the chat. Yeah, we didn't I realize my thoughts on it. And then I said, <laughs> what'd you guys think? And Joe was like, Jason, go ahead. And then we were like, where'd Jason go? Sorry. Um, Hi. So, so, so why don't I start with a Jason? What do you think? So Mike can kind of cut it in right there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, go for it. All right. 
Uh, Jason, you go ahead first. Uh, I I was prepared to not like this one because um, the concept was a little weird to me. The animation was very cutesy, uh, but it's it's found a soft spot in my heart. Um, I do like this episode. Um, I thought the idea of his the professor, his ma- his master, former Jedi, uh, having no arms was actually really fantastic. Like that was a concept that I thought was interesting uh, and made me wonder, like, all right, so how did he fight when, you know, against, you know, battle droids or whatever? Because um, the idea I got was that this is between, you know, episodes three and four. Uh, I I thought it was great. It was a nice little uh, story. Uh, T.O.B. one is. Was a character that. Up until the end, I was kind of like, eh, with. But then after his the professor died, um, I really liked him. I really started to like him. He won me over by the end. And, and overall, uh, it was it was a bit. It was a bit difficult for me to get into at first, but by the end, I was I was on board with his story and his. Uh, his little adventure that he had there. So uh, I did think that the, the battle that he had with the inquisitor at the end was actually really cool. Um, And then the fact that he decided to just travel the galaxy, uh, you know, you know, uh, fulfilling his, the professor's mission uh, to help restore dead planets was, was a really fun concept. So, Okay. Yeah, Joe, what'd you think? Uh, this was my least favorite one. Um, oh, I knew somebody was gonna rain on the parade with this <laughs> one. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't think it's bad. It just, it wasn't. I didn't really connect with it. And like, I, I appreciate the whole, you know, Pinocchio, Mega Man, uh, type of, uh, like parable it was trying to tell. Where oh, you know, you can. You can be more than what you are. You, mm-hmm. you know, you believe in yourself and you can become great and do great things. And, you know, all the things you want to do with your life, you can do them. You're not limited to the shell that you're in. I love that stuff. I love that message. I think it's an important message. Um, but I don't know what it is. The execution. I was just really I was just really bored with this whole one. Uh, Jason, you mentioned a fight with the Inquisitor. I forgot that happened. I didn't, I, I don't even remember a fight happening in this one. I remember him getting out like after, you know, uh, you know, I remember him, I remember him finding the Kyber crystal inside himself. I remember most of it, but I, I didn't even remember there was a fight at the end of it. Um, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm just biased and the only Jedi force sensitive droid that I ever really liked was Skippy the power droid. It's going to be the Jedi droid rather. Um, <laughs> I, just, I love R5-D4, and I like the idea of him being a Jedi, even though it was never canon. I uh, like that better. Um, yeah, I don't know. Force-sensitive force droids, I'm always like, ugh, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I don't well, know. And, and that's a concept that I wouldn't be a big fan of, like, in canon. But, again, mm-hmm. this is one of those yeah, ones that I feel true. like... This is one of those ones that only works as an anime. Yeah. Like, yeah. This, yeah, is not, this is not a a star Wars story in an anime style. This is an anime with, you know, star Wars bells and whistles on it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, and, and obviously, you know, the, the idea of him wanting to be a Jedi, like that's a very central thing to Star Wars, but you could just as easily have him wanting to be just a real boy or have some other sort of magical powers or something, you know, this story would work just as well if it weren't Star Wars, I feel like. Um, and just the addition of, of spaceships and lasers and lightsabers and inquisitors just made it more fun because I'm a Star Wars fan, but I just, I don't know. I, I love the character. This is one that just resonated with my inner child. Um, but also one that I know didn't work for a lot of people. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, this is like, I'm not expecting this to be everyone's favorite, but I'm glad that there are other people that, uh, enjoyed this one as much as I did. Yeah. I mean, it was well done. Like it was, it was cool. Um, the, just the only thing for me right now is since I'm going back and watching the other ones in English, I'm not really that eager to rewatch this one. I'm going to, because I want to rewatch all of them. Um, especially I want to see what happens with that Inquisitor fight. Cause I don't remember it at all. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so was was this the one with the annoying English voice acting or was it I, I feel like it's either this one or Lapin Ocho. Oh, no, I was talking about the twins. Really? Is that what it was? Yeah. But the twins voice acting wasn't that good. Yeah. Or uh, not, not that well liked, I guess. Well, you know, and I, again, it wasn't record. it wasn't even necessarily just the vocal performance, but also just the, the dialogue itself and the way okay. it was written. And so all the exposition and, um, and everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and I feel like the performance was part of it, but it wasn't like, oh man, this is really engaging dialogue that's just poorly performed. Okay. Um, which was weird because, like, I think in the twins, it was like Neil Patrick ha- Neil Patrick yeah, Neil Patrick Harris and Allison Brie were the voices of the two main characters. So you would think that oh weird, you know, they could, yeah they'd bring pretty good performance. But um, again, it could have been you know just the the style of the the dialogue writing or the you know again like we were talking about the way that you try to match it and dub it could have just been kind of unnatural um or it could have just been the fact that the story itself you know didn't really resonate with me but um hmm. i don't know but that was one like uh my co-host tim over on the saga continues he said because he watched them all in um I think he watched them all in English first, but then he went back and watched some of them in Japanese. And he said that the twins was one that he didn't like in English and liked it a lot more when he watched it in Japanese. Yeah. I didn't have um, a problem with the exposition. I mean, I understand the, the complaint because it, there was a lot of exposition, but yeah. like the delivery was pretty awesome. So I, it, yeah. it didn't bug me. Well, yeah. So that's definitely one that I'm, I'm going to have to check out in Japanese and see if I enjoy it more. And Joe, when you watch it in English, you'll have to let me know if you went, oh, I get it now. That one sucked. Yeah. You're going to get all capital uh, text message from me. This is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It was, oh, it was sorry. pretty good. Uh, so something I didn't notice until Jason pronounced it that way. Is it supposed to be T-O-B-1? T-O-B-1. But yeah, like T-O-B-1. the way you said it before is it, it like the I don't know one of the ways you said his name was like T Obi Wan. I was like oh Jedi droid Obi Wan. Yeah, neat. Yeah, was that I guess yeah. that was intentional. That I mean, that went right over my head. Yeah, it's it's T-O-B-1. oh yeah, no. and he calls him Toby uh, at one point. Um, but I you know I like T Obi Wan because obviously it says Obi Wan. Yeah. So yeah, and I think that was very clearly you know, intentional. Like, I think, like you said, he also calls him Toby. And I think that's supposed to be kind of his, like, you know, his real boy name or whatever. Um, but also, yeah, just the fact that I think the fact that he's, his initials are T O B one, but then also the fact that his master, like definitely gave me like old Ben in the hut kind of vibes. Um, 
you know, an old Jedi that's kind of past his prime, but is still doing what he can to kind of pass on that legacy to the next generation. And like, they just had a very, it it reminded me of a a more sort of childish cartoony version of like Luke and Obi-Wan's relationship just between the two of them. Mm. Um, And so I, I thought that that name was appropriate for that reason as well. Not just the fact that, Oh, it's a Jedi. So it's Obi-Wan, but um, yeah, I think that naming was definitely intentional. Oh yeah. But um, so we move on to the next one. Yes. So the next one, uh, episode seven was the elder from this was uh, the second one by Trigger uh, by Masahiko Otsuka was the director um, and a Jedi and his Padawan pursue a dark and powerful presence. And this is the one with, um, you know, I think this basically just seems like it would be set some at some point between the prequels or, or before the prequels. I mean, or, you know, in that sort of Phantom Menace era where the Jedi haven't encountered the Sith yet. Um, it's, and you've got, you know, the, it seemed, oh, it seemed probably around the time frame of the high Republic, to be perfectly honest. So, uh, yeah. Um, well, see the, at least as far as like the costumes and stuff to me, it just, you know, it looked like very traditional, like prequel era Jedi robes that we're used to and not quite the like more extravagant ones that you see in the high Republic. So I thought maybe it's set sometime between then and the Phantom Menace, but, um, somewhere in that pre prequel time period. Um, but yeah, you got the, the Jedi and his Padawan on the ship. They're, you know, traveling the galaxy and the Padawan is all eager for adventure and excitement. And the master has seen a bunch of adventure and excitement and, you know, is just kind of shrugs it off as like, you know, being all humble and nonchalant about it. Um, but then senses a dark presence and they got a touchdown on this planet where, you know, the people say they've seen this, elder in this mysterious ship and it turns out to be this you know tiny old man in this like who came in this sith Sith ship um and then you know there was some interesting dialogue here where like they ask him you know are you a sith and he's talking about sort of the history of the sith and how they destroyed themselves and sort of neglected their destiny and became obsessed with just fighting each other and being greedy and stuff which made me wonder you know was he a former Sith, like, did he sort of walk away from the order or is he someone that, you know, maybe that was, he's after that time, but is sort of following the old teachings of the Sith, but, you know, wants to be better than they were or something like that. Um, but it was an interesting way to kind of work in a, a dark side force wielder during this time period where the Jedi aren't supposed to know about the existence of the Sith. And he's, he's not a full blown Sith Lord, but he obviously has, you know, he's got red lightsabers. He's got for you know force lightning and all that stuff um and obviously know something about the sith way um but this one this was interesting this one definitely wasn't my favorite story just because the the story was just kind of simple and was kind of a slow burn set up at the beginning with you know oh i sense a disturbance in the force and we got a touchdown on this planet and you know talk to the locals and whatever and just go out in the mountains and find this old man that's just standing there waiting for us to fight him Um, so I didn't think the story was super engaging, but I loved the, just like the lightsaber duel and the, the showdown with this old, you know, old Sith guy. Um, this one honestly probably had my favorite lightsaber duels out of the whole series. Mm -hmm. Um, just because after seeing so many lightsaber duels leading up to this point, this one really stood out as being unique, not just for like the, the unique styles of the lightsabers. This one also had some kind of Katana style looking lightsabers. Um, but like the old guy's fighting style was so 
fast yeah. and precise. And again, like we were talking about kind of the, the samurai, you know, quick kill again, you know, he's, he's standing there. You can kind of feel the tension and you're just waiting for the fight to start. And then he's all just fast strikes. Um, and it wasn't, you know, a, a long drawn out lightsaber duel like we're used to with the, the big sweeping blows and everything. It was very, you know, one minute he's standing 10 feet away from you. The next minute he's right up in your face and it's, you know, quick, 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 you know, clash, clash, clash. Um, and so I love the, just like the editing and the pacing of this one. I love the choreography and I love specifically also what really stood out was the sound design of the lightsabers. Um, and just, you know, his had kind of a, a unique kind of growling hum to it that kind of reminded me of Kylo Ren's. Um, and just, um, yeah, the, just the, the action and the pacing and everything of those fights was really great. So, um, yeah, this one was kind of somewhere in the middle for me, not my favorite story, um, the, you know, the characters were good. The, the relationship dynamic between the master and the apprentice was, was nice, but, um, this one really stood out to me for the lightsaber duels and, uh, you know, just having some, some unique action and sound design there. Um, but Jason, what did you think of this one? Oh, this one. I love this one. This is actually my second favorite out of the whole wow. kitten caboodle. Uh, it, it almost knocked out the village bride for me in terms of uh, favorite, but I really like this. It, is animated and it looks like aside from the old man everything looks like it could have come straight out of the star wars comics like it looked like mm. the star wars comic book mm. um aside from the old man and this the stylization on the um the lightsabers uh it it was really cool i like the 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 characters they seemed very interesting i want more of their adventures uh this master and apprentice um, but the, the idea that, you know, they're, they're just out essentially, uh, nomad, kind of a nomad existence patrolling the outer rim to help people, uh, and they stop because they sense something, you know, is something I, I always like that role of the Jedi, um, you know, not, not being beholden to politicians, but being out there to, you know, just do good and to follow the will of the force. Um, and so when they have to take out this, this evil that they sense uh, in the form of this old man who the way I took it, he, I don't know if he was a Sith, but he is at least following what he perceives to be pure Sith teachings. Um, but I thought it was great. Uh, and um, if I recall correctly, the uh, the master, the Jedi master is voiced by David Harbour. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, you got James Hong as the the elder um, who are, are both great actors. Uh, so James Hong has been in, you know, a, a ton of stuff. And of course, David Harbour was made famous by Stranger Things. So um yeah, I absolutely love this this story. Uh, the pacing and the way that the fights uh, kind of started and stopped a bit definitely reminded me of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is a movie mm -hmm. I love. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, so I... Kyle, I'm, I'm kind of more in line with you where 
really liked it. There wasn't much to it, but you know what? There doesn't need to be. You know, sometimes less is more. Mm-hmm. It's cool that it was just like, yep, we we're on a mission. We're going to figure out what's going on with this evil presence. You know, we're just going to do an investigation. We're going to take care of it. We're going to go home. And, you know, the Padawan gets injured. Cool. You know, there, there doesn't need to be a very, um, like, a million loose threads for, oh, what's going to happen next? Sometimes a beginning, a middle, and an end is fine. Yeah. And, you know, that's, it was cool. I liked it. The choreography was awesome. I really don't have anything else to add. Um, it was aesthetically one of my favorite ones, even though the art style is, is so different from something that I would normally like. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like, it was one of those things where while I was watching it, I really like, I forgot that I was watching animation because like, it's, it's easy for me to fall into the trap of, you know, without realizing it, I'm thinking about how did they do that? How did they, you know, what technique did they do to do that? How, what's this? How do they do this? Blah, blah, blah. And this was one of the few where I wasn't thinking about working. I wasn't thinking about anything technical or, or uh, the art. I was just kind of engaged, um, even though there really wasn't, you know, that much to grab onto. It was just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to go with it. And it was just very easy to kind of do that for this one, just because of how, how simple it was. And I don't mean that as an insult or, or a criticism. It just, uh, you know, it just, it, it worked great. And I liked it a lot. Yeah. 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 And again, like I said, I I think it was, you know, it executed that simple premise well. Um, Just, you know, there were other ones where I found the story kind of more engaging, but I thought this one was good for what it was. And Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, some great action in there. Um, But we'll move on to the second to last episode, which is Lop and Ocho uh, from Gino Studio, directed by uh, Yuki Igarashi. Um, and this one is about a family is torn, uh, is torn about what to do when the Empire encroaches on their planet. Um, and this is the one where uh, you know, you've got the, the main character, Lop, who's this kind of anthropomorphized bunny character. Um, Furries rejoice. um and is you know like like an orphan on this planet uh it gets taken in by this family um as you know during this time period where the empire is taking over and kind of industrializing this planet and uh you know obviously like offering to help and saying that they're here to to sort of bring you into the new age of technology but they're really just like strip mining them for their resources and everything um and so lop gets taken into this family where she has a, a human you know adopted father and sister um, and then it flashes forward several years where the empire is still there. And, uh, the father is trying to fight back against the empire and talking about how, you know, how terrible everything has been since the empire came. And meanwhile, the sister is, you know, she's kind of teaming up with them and, and sees the benefits of the empire and the, the order that they bring and the progress and whatnot. Um, and so Lop gets kind of, uh, you know, thrust into the middle of this conflict between her father and her sister. And the sister abandons the family and goes to join the Empire. And so uh, Lop, you know, her father uh, bestows on her the the family heirloom sword, which is, you know, again, another sort of um, lightsaber. 
you know, y- yes, yeah, but a, a twist on a lightsaber where it's, I don't know if you even call this one a katana, <laughs> like it almost, it's a lightsaber, but it's got like engravings in the blade and it's, you know, like a, a lightsaber, but also like a, a traditional Japanese family sword kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, and then, so she, she takes the sword, she goes to confront her sister and, uh, you know, they, they have a confrontation that ends, this one kind of ends on a, a, not necessarily a cliffhanger, but definitely a to be continued where like, I thought she had killed her sister because, you know, they're, they're fighting. And yeah. then, um, cause the sister's got a couple of like spear, like kind of weapons, almost like the, um, the Praetorian guards in the last Jedi, um, kind of reminded me of that where she's got like the spear thing that kind of separates and has like the two blades on the end and Lop gets one of her blades and then has like the lightsaber thing and like slashes her across the chest. She's got like this X shaped cut in her chest and she's falling. And then it does like this stylized anime kind of thing where the whole background fades away and the sister's just like falling into nothingness. And I was like, Oh shoot, did she just kill her sister? And then next thing you know, she's standing on top of a spaceship, you know, perfectly alive and well, aside from the gaping hole in her chest and the ship just takes (laughs) off. And so I thought that was kind of weird, but, um, you know, it's interesting though, because this one, um, definitely wasn't, it was one of my least favorite ones the first time I watched it. And it actually kind of grew on me, um, when I watched it the second time. And I think, you know, it's funny, you had mentioned this earlier, Jason, about watching all of these in order and sometimes kind of getting whiplash when, you know, you, go between two that have, you know, wildly different tones or go from one that you really like to one that's not as good and it can kind of take away from mm-hmm. it. Um, and this was one that I felt like definitely I appreciated more watching it on its own than watching it as number eight in a series of nine uh, that was going on, you know, two and a half hours or whatever, how, however long it had taken me to watch all of them up to that point. And I very well, I don't remember exactly, but like, I I feel like the first time I watched it, I might've been kind of tired or I might've been texting people about some of the other episodes that I had watched um, (laughs) and maybe not giving this one my full attention. And so there were, there were some things that I picked up on the second time around that I had kind of missed the first time that made me appreciate the story more. Um, And so, and I, I'm, there's some things in this one that I'm still kind of torn on. For example, I don't love the idea of, you know, Lop's character design, her being this, you know, rabbit girl. Like, again, that's one of those things that, only works in anime. That's not really a Star Wars thing. Um, but also just like some of the, the character. That. Yes. Well, Jackson's not canon. Either. Yeah. <laughs> um, aside from, I guess, his like skeleton that was in that weird, you know, a sunny day in the void episode of Clone Wars. But we don't talk about that episode either. So um, except you just did. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that'll be the last. Time. Anyway. Um but even like some of the the character designs of like the the sister and the uh like the imperial guy that she teams up with just weren't my favorite like with some of the uh you know like the exaggerated facial features and stuff um it was just like not my favorite style of animation out of the bunch as far as the characters but for the environments and just like the design of the planet and um even seeing some behind the scenes stuff like they did a lot of hand painted backgrounds for this one um so like just the the scenery and the planet and and some of that animation stuff was just absolutely beautiful um but i did really like the story and just sort of the themes of like the the whole found family that is something that um you know is a a very recurring theme in star wars and so that's uh you know felt very fitting from a star wars standpoint there 
um, and you know the the father passing the sword on to the daughter that stayed loyal to him rather than the one that was his daughter by blood but chose to join the empire. So there was a lot of interesting interesting character stuff there, interesting story stuff there. Um, a few weird elements that I didn't love, you know, some of the character designs, the stuff with the ending, like I talked about. Um, but overall, you know, I, I would say I, I definitely like this one. And like I said, it, I appreciated it a lot more on my second viewing. And this is definitely another one where I, I don't know that I'd want like a full series of this, but this one, they could definitely do a continuation of. Um, this is something I could see where like if they maybe did just a second round of visions shorts and had another short that was a follow up to this one. I don't think it needs to be a, like a long drawn out story, but we definitely, you know, there's sort of more to come between Lop and her sister. And, uh, are they going to smooth things over? Are they going to, uh, you know, are they going to fight again? You know, there's, there's definitely some resolution that could happen there. I don't know why I keep saying her sister when it's Ocho, like her name is right there in the title. It's Lop and Ocho, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so not not my favorite one, but I liked it, and I definitely would be okay seeing more with it. Uh, but what do you guys think? Um, yes, there is definitely the opening for continuation. I'm not sure I want to see it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. This, this is a weird episode for me because I it's my least favorite, but there are elements I love. I let you mentioned the backgrounds. The backgrounds, the, uh, you know, the design of the locations is absolutely gorgeous and stunning. Um, there are themes that are definitely Star Wars themes that I've always enjoyed. But for whatever reason, Lop and Ocho, it, you know, it just didn't work for me. The combination of all of it just somehow didn't quite mesh properly it always felt just slightly off i guess i don't know but for whatever reason it was just the one that it i didn't i don't hate it you know i'm not gonna sit here and say it's terrible but it's not one that i'm necessarily eager to to go and see i i got bored watching it you know even though it was action-packed um so i i don't know it just didn't quite work for me and so I, I i don't have much else to say because i'm not gonna sit here and say it's terrible and i hate it you know because that's there's no <laughs> point in that because i i refuse to play that game um so <laughs> yeah i'm i'm kind of with you jason um it was very uh i don't know if fourth wall breaking is is the right way to put it but like Look, when we watch Star Wars, we have to lend a certain suspension of belief, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's especially like anime Star Wars. Okay, it's going to get ridiculous. You know, what happened in the twins was ridiculous and over the top. Yes. But I don't know why just a bunny lady was just too much like, no, nah, this isn't Star Wars. This is too <laughs> this is too far removed from me. Because, like, there there is that, you know, that balance of... Um, like I always like to to use Ghostbusters as an example for for the suspension of disbelief and you know doing that appropriately where you're starting with you know you know we're trying to convince the audience that there's ghosts and you know by the end of the movie there's a giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man walking down the street and you don't even think twice about it right like mm -hmm. so you go from no one believing in ghosts 
to, oh, yeah, the, the giant marshmallow man is here and he's destroying everything. And it's not ridiculous. And I believe that it happened in this universe. But for some reason, like this bunny lady, I couldn't I couldn't stay with it. I kept finding myself getting kind of taken out because of it. Um, and then there were like just other little things that like, you know, Kyle, you mentioned before she got slashed in half, not in half, but like the X slash across uh, Ocho's chest. And she falls down and there's a dramatic moment where, you know, it fades to black and like, oh, whoa, she killed her. And then, no, just kidding. Uh, and it just like immediately sucked the tension right out of it. And I remember remembering I'm watching a weird show and that was a weird choice to make. Um, it did a lot right. It was very beautiful. Mm-hmm. The arts, I love the art style. I love the character. Uh, as weird as Bunny Lop was, I think they rendered her really well. She was beautifully animated. Everything was beautifully animated. Yes, I agree. Um, mm-hmm. I love a good anime villain. The uh, her her imperial boss was awesome. He kind of when Ocho was an was an imperial. Like she was awesome. I loved I loved Ocho. Ocho was awesome. And but like another thing that was kind of weird for me was the 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 like kind of flip out of nowhere where when Ocho was a girl, she didn't think twice about oh you'll come with us. We're gonna feed you. You're gonna have a good life with us. She was just like naturally just good soul. And then all of a sudden she's like, nah, screw all this. I'm yeah. a bad guy now. We're, I'm Imperial. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that just kept taking me out of it. And it's like, this doesn't make This is too jarring. This is too abrupt. It was, it, it, was um, one of those, mean, it was one of those things where they tried to play up the tension between father and daughter and where is Lop going to fall? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really a question, you know, yeah. that based on her character, and what she'd been saying the entire episode, they tried to build up that as like, oh, who's she going to side with? And it mm. even implies that in the description. It's like she's caught up in the middle. And, you know, who will she uh, who, who will she you know join? Uh, but it 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 wasn't a question at all. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, they they played up something that had no payoff. Yeah, there were no stakes yeah, see- to Lop's loyalty. Sorry, Kyle, go ahead. I, I will. I would say I would. I would disagree with that a little bit because I don't feel like the the sort of tension was in what side Lop was going to choose. It was more in is Ocho actually going to side with the Empire? And then once she does, you know, can she be sort of redeemed from that? Because um, you're right. I don't think there was ever a question of what side Lop was going to choose. I think you know she's pretty firmly established as the good guy. Um, <clears throat> and so I didn't really feel a need to. I, I wasn't disappointed by the fact that like you know, there was no tension in what side she was going to pick. I was more just sort of on the, the confrontation with the sister and the, you know, are we going to have to fight her? Can she be redeemed? You know, are we going to be able to come to a resolution on this? Um, but then also with the, like, I hear what you're saying too, about the fact that like the sister is really sweet and is she like, she's the one at the beginning that wants to welcome Lop in right. and the dad is kind yeah. of grumpy about it. And he's like, ah, fine. And then, um, you know, we don't know how many, I don't think it says specifically how many years later, the rest of the episode takes place. Um, there's a, I know there's a time jump and it says like some years later or something. Um, but I don't think it gives a uh, number, but obviously by that point, you know, at the end of the episode, the father gives the sword to lop and he apologizes. He's like, Hey, if I ever, you know, discriminated against you or made you feel like you weren't as important to me as Ocho, like I apologize. Cause obviously you're here. She's not, and you're just as much my daughter as she is, if not more. Um, 
and Ocho has decided to go and, and join the Empire. And it is kind of a sudden shift, but I also, I kind of took it as uh, seeing the effects of like what the Empire is is doing to people. And mm. I mean, we've seen, because we've seen similar stories like that, because without having to have seen all the things that happened in the interim, you can imagine a lot of smaller scenarios that would have built up before this big confrontation of just differences in opinion and differences in ideology and you know we've seen that throughout bad batch and rebels and and all this other stuff where uh you know like why do people like as big as the empire is you know and there's tons of people that are loyal to it like why would people be <clears throat> so loyal to them when they're the bad guys and we see that there's a lot of people that believe in that order and stability and feel like the empire is making things better and so even though that wasn't explicitly stated in this episode i feel like based on sort of the context of the time period that we know and, and some things that we've seen with some other characters, I was able to kind of fill in that gap. And it felt like there was a sort of reasonable transition to make that like Ojo didn't just suddenly decide, Hey, you know what? I'm going to be racist against rabbit people and hate my sister. Now that there were, you know, obviously some underlying ideological differences that would have led to, you know, them being where they're yeah, at. Yeah. But I mean, here's the thing, like I said, I recognize all the points they're making. It's mm -hmm. very much Star Wars points and like themes and things like that. It just, for whatever reason, didn't work for me. So I, you know, it, that's why it's a weird episode for me because I came away not really enjoying it that much. It's I, unless I'm specifically watching uh, all of these through again with somebody, I will probably skip Lapinocho. Um, but even though I know like there's all of these themes that I enjoy in other Star Wars media and other, you know, the, the beautiful artwork from it, I'll just go, you know, find screenshots or something if I want to look at that. But, you know, it's because it's it's gorgeous, um, but it's just not something I, I, I feel any any connection to. I will say, yeah, that's that. I'll that go ahead, Joe. While you, uh, Jason, while you feel that you wouldn't watch a continuation would uh, of it if they did one, I would. I would. I would like to see where it's going to go before I kind of render any further judgment. I mean, they obviously left that very open ended. They did. So if there's a season two, okay, let's 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 see if part two connects and lands a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but as of right now. In general, I'm with you where I'm, I don't think it was bad, but I was left kind of, you know, maybe not disappointing because I wasn't really expecting much from this one, but I, I was not satisfied when I, when I finished. Yeah. And I, I, just to clarify, if they do a part two of this, I will see it. Um, <laughs> okay. it's, I'm, I'm being a little hyperbolic at the initial, but it's not <laughs> of the ones that are written for continuation. This is the one I don't really care about. Okay, so that's yeah. fair. And and that's fair. I mean, and it's funny because this is another one that I feel like is sort of polarizing. Um, I've seen a lot of people that didn't like this one and that, you know, just like you guys say, like, yeah, it was beautiful or whatever. But just it didn't work for me. And then I've seen some people say that this is one of their favorite ones or like their absolute favorite one. Um and like I said, after watching it the first time, I would have agreed more with you guys. Um, and then after watching it a second time, I, I came to appreciate some more things about it. Now it's kind of more in the middle for me. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see those, you know, those varying opinions, um, you know, kind of like TOB1 and, and some of the other ones. It's kind of like it, it either works for you or it doesn't. 
Um, and the people that like it seem to really like it. And the people that don't seem to really not like it. And, uh, you know, it's fine either way. Um, but yep. let's go ahead and move on to the final episode, um, which I'm sure is going to be another interesting one. This is uh, <laughs> Akakiri Aka from Science Saru and directed by Ian Young Choi. Um, and a Jedi returns to his forbidden love to help defend her kingdom from a Sith-like Shogun. This one was weird, but <laughs> in like, I don't know. I, I kind of, I need to go back and watch this one again. I've only seen it once, but kind of like La Panoja, there was some stuff that I really liked about it and some stuff that I really didn't like about it. And like, it was, it was weird and quirky and offbeat from like the animation style to some of the music. And like, it kind of threw me off and like didn't work for me but at the same time it felt very like that felt very intentional that it was trying to be different and have a, a unique style and like just because of that like I almost appreciated it more for that as opposed to something that maybe was like didn't work because it was trying to be a certain thing and fell short of that you know like it was it felt like like this one felt like it it did a good job of of uh attaining whatever you know stylistic choice they were going for um they're like you know like it or not this is the the, the way we want to go with it <laughs> deal here with it, it is <laughs> uh, yeah and and which i mean i i appreciate those type of bold creative choices and i i like having something you know different but it, it definitely wasn't my favorite um i did kind of like how the story here kind of paralleled anakin's journey um you know again this this felt like just sort of a a weird offbeat anime adaptation of the story of Anakin Skywalker, where you've got this, you know, sort of powerful Jedi warrior who reunites with this woman that he's in love with. And, you know, there's, there's a bad guy that he's got to fight. There's Sith. But then he has this, he's keeps having these reoccurring visions of him, you know, striking down a foe, but you hear like this woman screaming in the background or something like that. Um, but then eventually, so, you know, this, this Sith Shogun shows up that he's got to fight, but she's got all these like acolytes or, or minions or whatever that he's got to fight first. And as he's cutting down all these people, he, I forget exactly what happens, but he's like hallucinating or something. He cuts down one of them that actually happens to be the woman that he's trying to protect. Um, and then he ends up joining with the, the Sith woman to, you know, she's basically pulls a Palpatine and is like, you know, join me, learn the secrets of the dark side. And it's the only way you can save her. Um, so again, very similar story beats to Anakin, you know, with the main difference being like <clears throat> Anakin is plagued by these visions of Padme dying, joins the dark side to try to prevent that from happening. And in doing so ends up causing her demise. Whereas this guy, you know, is, is trying to protect the woman he loves from the dark side and inadvertently like kills her while trying to protect her and then joins the dark side to try to save her or bring her back. Um, and so you know, and then I think it just, again, I've only watched it once. I don't remember all the, the specific points of it, but I think it just ends with him, you know, going off with the Sith and it's kind of this tragic ending. Um, and again, not my favorite one, you know, very, very weird and offbeat. I did kind of, you know, I, I thought that was kind of a, a unique and interesting, um, you know, it's kind of those, those parallels to a story that we know very well and kind of just doing this unique take on it. Um, but, you know, definitely didn't come away with that one being one of those ones that I, I you know, really stuck with me or I wanted to rewatch over and over again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. A, a unique one for sure. But what would you guys think? Uh, overall, I liked it. Um, 
the animation design in this one uh didn't quite work for me but the story made up for it um so you know i enjoyed the story uh the you know the realization of his vision um was uh definitely something that that caught me a little off guard not completely off guard but somewhat um and and the interesting thing is is i you know out of curiosity um i after watching it i was like there's there's something about the title that i was it, it stuck with me akakiri it's the only one that is still you know in our you know on the english stuff it's still a japanese word so what is i was like what what is that and so i did a quick google translate which i know is not the best translation but essentially the idea is that what i gathered is that akakiri is the red haze mm. which elevated the story more for me when i was like ha ha you know that that's what the dark side is and you know as as he gets further and further into the dark the whole color scheme just goes redder and redder and redder and redder and uh i i just thought that was a really interesting choice and something that um i think worked well and this is one that uh i i'm honestly curious to see what happens next like you know because he brought back his love by allying with the sith and then went off with the sith because now he's beholden to her um so can can the princess save the jedi in the next one if there is a next one i don't know i'd be interested to find out <laughs> i don't want to go last <laughs> because <laughs> uh i i didn't care for this one that much um the art style didn't really appeal to me. Not to say that it was not coherent or that it wasn't good. It just wasn't wasn't my thing. Yeah. Um, and I was bored for most of it, which surprised me because I actually really like when, you know, prequel era Jedi have to deal with their feelings of attraction to somebody. Like I always found that interesting. I love Obi Wan Satine stuff. Um. Mm. Obviously, I really like Anakin Padme stuff as as weirdly written as that is sometimes with the dialogue in the prequels. Um, Clone Wars stuff has always been really good with that. Um, so I like that. I like I always like seeing that dynamic. And in this one, I was just this was the one where I was checking my phone and all right, how much longer is this one? And. And uh, the twist at the end was probably the only thing that I liked where he struck her down and he joined with uh, the Sith to save her. I thought that was really cool. And I would watch a continuation. I'm with you, Jason, on that. And we're like, OK, I would I would want to see what's next. But like this, this was a little disappointing because I was so um, just kind of like the first half of visions for me were really strong for the most part. And I was super into it and like really wanted to work and to end on one that I didn't like the art style. I didn't care about the story. Like when it was done, I wasn't as excited about Star Wars visions as I was when the first half where I was just like, Oh man, I can't yeah. wait to see the next one. 
and then by the end of this, I was just like, that's the one they chose to end on. Like, I, I mean, I get that it's like, you know, a big open end. I really feel like if they ended on Ninth Jedi, I would have been way more like pumped because like, whoa, what's going to happen next? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, and they kind of yeah. do it with this, but I just for me and this is all subjective, obviously, all of our, our opinions, but for art stuff, they say that um, especially for something like a portfolio where you're you're doing a presentation in general and you have a bunch of different things and they're all different from each other. You start. And you end with your strongest things. You start strong so that you get everybody's um, attention. Mm-hmm. And then you do everything in in the middle that isn't as strong. And then you end punching them in the face with your best piece. And this was not their best piece to me. So because of that, I was just kind of like, eh, I just felt kind of deflated at the end of it. But again, like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't poorly done. And, you know, I'm still going to rewatch it in English just because I'm curious. Um but yeah like i i I did feel a bit deflated by uh by the end of this whole thing because jason i tina and i were like you we just we sat down together and we watched it start to finish um so it it was kind of like a roller coaster in terms of pacing because everything was so different from one another yeah but but yeah i mean again like i don't mean to to end on such like a, a negative note because overall i think you know this the series was really good and um you know, I, I I am I do think that's a cool detail, Jason. Uh, that Akakiri is the uh, the red haze. I, I I do think that that adds a little flavor, yeah, to it. Um, and if they were to translate it, it would kind of already almost spoil it yeah. for us. That like, oh, we know we have to pay attention because th- this is a significant thing. That if it's in the title, that means it's going to be very relevant. And the fact that it was just kind of there and it was it was you know it was an important part of the 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 narrative but it just wasn't something i was really that focused on other than oh something's gonna happen later yeah you know what i mean yeah no it was it was definitely one of those things where at the end of it i was like okay akakiri what what is that because this is this means something in this story what is that and that's when i looked it up i was like oh oh that's actually really interesting and really cool so um yeah i i think I will say the last third of this story is definitely the strongest part of it. The most cohesive. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But then, you know, the rest was, was okay. Um, But the last third of this story was actually, I, I think elevated much higher than the rest of it. So. Yeah. And one thing that I'll agree with you on too, Joe, where you're talking about, like, even just in the description with it, talking about this Jedi who has a forbidden love, I was expecting kind of like a, like an Anakin Padme or Obi-Wan Satine type of story. And we didn't really have, you know, there, there wasn't really a, um, like a, a love story in any of these episodes. And so I was looking forward to, you know, this one, maybe getting into like a really interesting character dynamic. And I remember for most of the episode, like it not being nearly as sort of leaning into that as I thought it would be Yeah, where I was like, wait, is, is that's the woman he's supposed to be in love with, right? Yeah, like exactly. there's not really any indication <laughs> that they're a couple like, and then at the end it's like, you know, it kind of waits till, till just at the end, they kind of allude to it. Then, it, and then he kills her. Um, I was kind of hoping for it to be more of a, a like a tragic love story. That, yeah, um, exactly. You know, they, they I, yeah, they, they could have definitely built that up more. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to go back and watch it again, though, because like I said, some of the ones like Lop and Ocho that didn't really work for me when I was watching the whole thing in order, um, 
worked better for me when I watched it on its own and I could kind of, you know, appreciate it more as its own story and not be comparing it to the ones that came before or be watching it after, you know, two hours of other stuff and you're tempted to just start checking your phone or whatever. So, um, I might go back and watch this one just to see if my, my feelings change on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's funny cause I, I would agree with you too, Joe, that like for this one to end on a, like not being my favorite one, but also just being kind of a, a bit of a more downer note in the yeah, story. It really was um, right. Like, yeah. yeah. Like I, 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 I walked away from it, you know, thinking of visions overall and going, eh, that was, that was pretty good. Um, and really the, the two that stuck out to me were just, uh, the village bride and the ninth Jedi. And I was like, those two were awesome. I'm glad I got that. Everything else was, you know, pretty good. Um, but those are probably the only two that I'd want to go back and rewatch just because again, after watching it all in like a three hour block, like those were the two that just stuck out the most significantly in my mind went to bed, woke up the next day and I was thinking about it all over again. And there were a whole bunch of them that I wanted to go back and just watch individually and, and take in just those individual stories and not, you know, like I would, I would not go back and, and binge watch all the, you know, this whole thing all the way through again. Obviously, like if they came out with a season two of visions, I would do that just cause mm-hmm. you know, it's star Wars and Refresher. you know, new star Wars content. Yeah. We all just want to consume it right away. But I do think these kind of work better, just on their own individually um, because, you know, the stories aren't building off of each other or anything like that. Um, yeah. So some of there, there are even, you know, a couple of these like Akakiri that I've only seen once that I'm interested to go back and, and revisit and see if my thoughts change on them. But um, yeah, overall, I liked it a lot. I've, I've had a blast talking about it with you guys. I've had a blast, you know, watching them and just thinking about them and uh, thinking about, you know, possible continuations and more of these stories that we could get. Um but yeah, as even though there were like, so just I think after kind of watching them more and processing now, I really just say there are a couple that didn't work that well for me. Um, but overall, you know, definitely, um, you know, positive opinions of of the whole thing of visions overall, and a couple of them that I really stood out to me and that I loved. So, um, but before we wrap up, I know we had talked at the beginning before we started recording. We were talking about maybe doing a, a ranking at the end, and you guys said you were still kind of working on yours and be working on it as we were talking i'm good to go i'm good so you have the ranking list yes are we gonna do one to nine or are we gonna do nine to one let's do nine to one and uh jason i'll let you go first and then we'll let joe go and then i'll go last and we'll just kind of compare and see uh where all our lists uh you know where we're similar where we're different and how will they all shake out so you want me to do my whole list all right got it uh number nine lapin ocho um number eight is going to be the twins seven uh tob one six is akakiri five tatooine rhapsody four is the duel three is the ninth jedi two is the elder and one is the village bride nice yeah joe uh number nine is tob one sorry little guy Oof. I, I love I love Mega Man. I just don't love Mega Man's story. That's just the game. <laughs> uh, number eight is Akakiri. Number seven is Lop and Ocho. Number six is the Twins. Number five is the Elder. Number four is Village Bride. Number three is Tatooine Rhapsody. Number two is Ninth Jedi. Number one is the Duel. Nice, nice. Kyle, see, I I had my list all ready to go, and as I'm looking at it now, after you've been talking, I'm like, <laughs> wait, do I want to change some of these? Oh, um, um, yeah, I've got I've got a bunch of scratch outs and rewrites on my list right now from our conversation. So, 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because I I was pretty set on my list coming into this, so I wasn't really trying to rearrange it. And as I'm looking at it now, I'm like, is this still my list? I think this is my list. I'll go with it. These are subject to change. Um, for me, number nine is the twins. Number eight is Akakiri. Number seven is Tatooine Rhapsody. Uh, the Elder is number six. Lop and Ocho, number five. Uh, the Duel is number four. Then T.O.B. one is number three. I love that one. Uh, <laughs> the Village Bride is number two. And then at number one, I've got the Ninth Jedi. Um, I will say for me, those, I think the five through seven spots, so Lopin Ocho, The Elder, and Tatooine Rhapsody, I like those ones all pretty evenly, and I could reshuffle those into any spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I will proudly put T.O.B. one up there in my top three, just because <laughs> of how how unexpectedly that one just warmed my heart. That's but, cool, man. Um, that works. That's, that's great. You know, I'm glad you love it that much. Uh, I wanted to love it that much, but it, it didn't yeah. quite. Um, but yeah, my top four, you know, uh, Village Bride, The Elder, The Ninth Jedi, and The Duel. Like, I I want just more and more and more of those stories, more of that stuff uh, if we get more Star Wars visions. So, like, that's what I absolutely enjoyed about this, this animation experiment with Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I, I think especially like the Ninth Jedi and the Village Bride, it seems like are two that are near the top of everybody's lists. And uh, I think I, I maybe I'm biased again because I like the Ninth Jedi is easily my favorite. But I do think that one in particular is just such a good setup for what could be an ongoing series or something like that. Um, but if they were to do you know more visions overall and just do like a, a second batch of shorts, I definitely would love to see. Um, I think that like the village bride doesn't necessarily need a sequel. No. Like it doesn't end on a cliffhanger or something, but like you could have just another adventure with F, you know, going off and, and doing more Jedi stuff. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd be down to see more of that. Same thing with the duel, you know, he could go fight another Sith or, or have some sort of different adventure, but you know, it'd be cool to see more of that character. What um, I do with that novel. But yeah, so yeah. Um, and yeah, like, you know, Heck, even Lop and Ocho, like I said, I, I want to see what happens next with her and her sister. So I'd be down for more of a lot of these. Um, even even the twins, which I think we all had ranked pretty low, like, you know, definitely the doors open for more adventures there to see if he can go find his sister and redeem her and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, lots more story possibilities. I hope they do more with this. And I was reading, um, I've been reading a couple interviews with some of the producers at Lucasfilm and at... Um, you know, some of the, the anime companies, um, you know, just doing press around the release of this and stuff. And sometimes some of the interviews they've been asked, you know, if there's a possibility to do more and they are always kind of like, you know, we'll leave it up to the fans. We'll see how it does, you know, not really giving a, um, a solid answer for now, or, you know, it doesn't seem like they maybe have any concrete plans in the works, but, um, hopefully the response to this will, will, uh, encourage them to make more. But I think in one interview, uh, one of the guys from Lucasfilm did say something about like, they were talking about the Ronin novel and, um, him mentioning that, you know, if, if this is successful, like, you know, just like with any star Wars property, like with the other animated shows or the high Republic or whatever that they want to, um, you know, be able to capitalize on that just in other forms. So even if we don't get more animation, you know, that Ronan might not be the last Visions novel, that we could get some more 
uh, more novels or maybe tie in comics or manga or something like that. So any any kind of uh, continuation of these stories or, or additional materials with this kind of stuff, I would love to see. But um, yeah, especially, you know, some more animated follow ups. I think this was um, just a great idea, a great way for them to um, sort of present Star Wars in a new way and just let all these different creators kind of put their different spin on it and, you know, without having to worry about how is this going to fit in canon and line up with the timeline and everything, just let people kind of interpret their own inter- their own artistic vision of Star Wars and, and you know, kind of see what people enjoy and what resonates with people. So I hope we get more of it. Um, I'd love know, to whatever see... Whatever form that may take. I'd love to see, like, an American animation studio version of this where it's just like... Just give a bunch of studios to free reign here. Go nuts. Do your own thing. Because, like, the anime... I mean, I, a lot of this works because it's anime. But, like... Yeah. I want to see... I know we already got Gendy Tartakovsky, Clone Wars, but I want to see more stuff like that. Where, like, all right, let's go nuts. Let's just... It's traditional animation. You know, use the medium wisely. You can do... The sky's the limit. Get silly. Get, get you know, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could be down for that too. Yeah, I mean, I will say with this, you know, as someone who was not a big anime fan, and you know, I I did really appreciate a lot of the, um, just you know, the sort of the anime style and the Japanese influences on this and stuff. I thought it was a really cool, not just like an artistic Star Wars thing, but also a, a cool sort of cultural expression and uh, you know, just just cool way of looking at this. So mm-hmm. I'd be down for you know, I, I think specifically within Visions, like I I like the way they did this, and I'd be down to see more of it. But yeah, to let other studios, whether American or you know other styles of animation or whatever, um, I think yeah, to go just beyond beyond just Japanese and just anime, just to see more unique artistic interpretations of Star Wars like this, I think would be really cool in whatever form that might take. Indeed, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, any, any final thoughts, any, uh, thing else you guys want to add before we wrap up? No, here? unlike you, Kyle, I am not used to three hour episodes. <laughs> oh, well, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're almost <laughs> there. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Like I said, we could have done individual episodes for each one oh, of these man. shorts. They've, they've got the, you know, the episode guides on starwars.com where we could have, you know, done a whole episode recap for each episode like we normally do with bad batch and stuff so um i figured we'd just jump on here and and bang it out also i mean this wasn't really you know we kind of threw this together at the last minute and didn't really have a plan for it you know obviously mike wasn't able to be here but we wanted to just jump on and talk about this while it's fresh in everybody's minds and give our thoughts on it so I thought this might be a long one just for the fact that we're talking about all nine episodes, but I didn't know if it would go this long, but here we are. This, so. You know, if they didn't remake Knights of the Old Republic, we would have been done hours ago. Yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> it's, it's, Aspire's, it's Aspire's fault. fault for giving us a KOTOR remake that I've wanted for years. Um, yeah. <laughs> This is a this this is an average Thursday night for us on the saga yeah, continues. I don't know. This might <laughs> this might be the longest episode ever of Rebel Cells. Who knows? But um it's been fun. Uh you know, Joe, great talking in Star Wars with you as always. Jason, yeah. thank you so much for coming on with us as a Absolutely. guest. It's uh been a blast having you. Um and thank you guys all for listening, for sticking with us for these three hours. Hope you all uh you know enjoyed the conversation and have enjoyed Star Wars Visions as much as we have. Um so, 
yeah, I think that's just about going to do it for now. Um, thanks again to Jason for joining us as a guest. You guys can check him out over on the Wampa's Lair podcast. Um, 10 year anniversary I'm, coming up over there. Yes. Oh, hey, there October. You go. We're celebrating our 10 years of podcasting all month with like some really fun stuff. So keep an eye on what we've got. And then the end of the month will actually be our 10 year anniversary. 10 years of Star wow. Wars podcasting is insane. And I congratulations. There. Yeah. And especially yeah, that it's with Carl. That. He's the worst. Oh, God. <laughs> How did you do it? Joe, Joe, I am glad someone <laughs> understands my pain. <laughs> Which is why no. I'm flying out to Boston in two weeks to visit him for the 10 years. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Oh. You're going out just to tell him how much of a pain he is. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Slap him and then get right back on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I should the slap for the end because I'm there for a few days. So I don't want to like get oh, off okay. the plane, slap okay. him, and then like have to wait like three days before I fly back. Yeah, that'd be awkward. That'd be really awkward. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Wampus Lair Podcast. Check out all the fun stuff. We're on Twitter and Instagram primarily now. So uh awesome well congratulations yeah. 10 years uh it, it's been a ride you guys are wonderful yeah especially with as often as you guys record too because on on saga continues we're not that far behind you guys it'll be our 10 years next year but you guys are up to what like 400 something episodes now 438 came out wow yeah and yesterday. we just put out it's funny we just for the saga continues we just released our visions review episode tonight as i'm recording another one with you guys uh, but that was episode 183 for us. So we don't record nearly as frequently mm. as you guys do. So that's a lot of podcasting in those 10 years. Uh, yes. Um, but uh, yeah, so congrats to you guys on that. You guys can check out Jason and Carl over there. You can, uh, I don't know, find me on Star Wars The Saga Continues, talking more Star Wars stuff with uh, Tim and Paul over there. And uh, I don't know, Joe, are you just kind of just floating in cyberspace? I'm just on all the social media garbage. Joe Hogan art. <laughs> if you really care, I'm, I'm around. I'm floating around. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, yeah, again, th th see, all of that outro stuff was just to drag the episode out. So we actually Perfect. hit the three hour mark. Um, but thank you guys all for listening. Uh, we will see you next time on Rebel Cells. I'm not sure when the next time is we'll be back because I don't know if there's a whole lot of Star Wars animation stuff coming up. Um, Bad Batch but, season you know, two? Well, that's not till next year. I mean, no. we'll, we'll definitely be back for that. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, of course, check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Like I said, I'm on there with uh, The Saga Continues. I know Mike will be back with Faster, More Intense, uh, probably when, when Book of Boba Fett comes out and all that stuff. Um, oh, and as far as the news, we forgot to mention uh, the Disney Plus Day that's coming up November 12th, will there, where they'll be showing some... Um, some sneak previews of some upcoming mm. star Wars and Marvel stuff for Disney plus. And maybe we'll get some new announcements there of, I don't know, maybe a visions continuation or some other new Ooh. star Wars animated stuff. So we'll see. There's lots of exciting stuff coming up in the future. So you'll hear us talking about it somewhere, wherever that may be. Um, but that's going to do it for now. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time. Looks like bad batch is blasting off again. Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. 
And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more. 